Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest. I don't even know. I Usually, I have something written up for guests about how to introduce them, so maybe I'll let you introduce yourself. Today, I have my friend, John Kyle. He is all the way up here from where? Manzanola. Eat that mic. Manzanola, Colorado. Uh, John and I met, man, three, four years ago? Yep. Something like that. Uh, wasting. We met doing doing what I want everybody not to do. And that's waste a bunch of time on political activism because it's a waste of time. 100%. 100% waste of time, right? 100% waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. Got no chance of making any difference. Zero chances. Yep. I agree. The system is far too entrenched. Absolutely 100%. That is exactly the problem yep. is you know, unless you, unless somehow you could actually change, literally fundamentally change the system, you are, you are just wasting your time. Well, and with people being able to, you know, vote for free money at this point, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just going to go until the wheels come off. Yeah. That's, that's really how this ends. And I want to get into that with you. All right. Uh, here's a marker just in case you ever want to take any notes cool. as we talk. This is official. It is official. So John came up. We're sitting here at the mezzanine hanging out in F9 HQ. Uh, but back back up to when we met. So John, yes. what were you doing when we met? I was farming hemp, uh, which I still own a hemp farm at this point, I guess. But the, the farms under contract were selling it. And we are... Uh, Probably going to get out of the hemp industry. That is the most likely outcome, but we could end up, uh, if certain things don't go our way, doing a smaller scale hemp farm in uh, upstate New York or something. Well, yeah, you know how to do it. Right? right. We know how to do it. And the thing is, all the money right now is on the retail end, which is where we didn't invest. So that was my mistake uh, from and, and a mis, misjudgment of the market. Uh, but I also don't like retail. <laughs> so it was, uh, you know. How did you, how did you get into hemp? Well, we'd have to go back. Uh, graduated high school uh, early in 2008, December of 2008, moved out, started growing weed in my attic like most young yep. men do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, kind of fell in love with it. You made a little extra money here and there, you know, and it was uh, it was legal uh, medically right back then. Right. But yeah, uh, when did Colorado do that? It was like 2007 or something, right? So it was right, would have been right. It after. was earlier than that. Really what happened is Obama took the dogs off. So when Obama got okay. elected, uh, he pulled the he pulled the dogs off, and that's when it exploded. What do you mean by that, though? Uh, when Bush was president, they were still raiding, and even in Obama's early years, they were still raiding legal dispensaries. Yeah, uh, if a state legalized, they were still the feds were still coming in and ruining your life for you know a plant, a plant exactly, yeah. which uh, is still is happening all over this country, unfortunately. But yeah. we're working working towards solving that. But anyway, um, being young and broke and not being able to afford a dispensary license, uh, especially once it went recreational uh, in 2012, we looked for a way, me and my partner at the time, uh, we founded 303 Seeds, which was just a, kind of a closet project that we had been working on, growing marijuana, genetics, breeding, ended up stumbling into CBD in 2010 uh, through a company out of Spain called the CBD Crew and bought some of their genetics, started playing around with it, was giving it out for free. What does that mean, genetics, now? See, all this in industry insider talk. Like seeds. Seeds. Okay. Genetics, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So just breeding different strains, different terpene profiles, different growth uh, characteristics, all that type of stuff, and, and mixing and matching and finding what works, breeding away from her hermaphroditic traits where you've got a plant producing both male and female uh, 
sex organs, basically. So right. Then you end up with a seedy plant. Nobody wants that. So, you know, that's where the, the art of breeding comes in is to really produce something that's quality and doesn't pollinate itself. When you first started growing then, yep. in, in, literally in a closet. Uh, well, for, I first started growing in high school in my parents' attic and I got caught. My dad loves to tell that story. So, yeah. Yeah. I that's bet. where it all started. And then uh, did you out. know what you were doing or was it or is it like kind of as easy as just if you can grow a tomato? Um, outside, it's as easy as if you can grow a tomato. Uh, indoors with a hydroponic system, you know, it gets a little more complicated. Cocoa versus soil. Uh, you know, there's some skill involved there. Just more paying attention and following your your instruments and, you know, watering at the proper pH, proper time, making sure your temperature and stuff. And then all the light levels too, right? I mean, right. I mean isn't, the, isn't, isn't the idea you're supposed to be very careful with it when you do the, the 12 and 12? So that's uh, the difference between a veg cycle excuse me, and a flower cycle. So uh, cannabis is a, a photoreactive plant. Well, there's actually three genuses. So you got uh, cannabis sativa, cannabis indica, and cannabis ruderalis. Ruderalis is an autoflowering. So it's just the uh, best way to explain it to a layman is you have tomatoes that are determinate and indeterminate, right? Well, the determinate ones are autoflowering. Basically, they're going to grow to a certain age and then be mature indeterminate it'll just keep growing and producing tomatoes so an mm. indeterminate cannabis plant or a traditional cannabis plant if you keep it under the veg cycle of over 14 hours of light it will never flower okay an autoflowering plant will flower after a certain number of days um, and so that's where the 1212 comes in and you drop it to 1212 because that's just kind of where the best flower but you can play with it that's not an exact requirement okay flowering is actually triggered outdoors for most plants at 14 hours then they started breeding with ruderalis. Like naturally. You, naturally. Yeah. Now you got stuff that'll trigger at 14 and a half hours and stuff like that. Finish a little earlier, basically. Um, so how successful your first grows before you got caught in the attic? Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. How did you learn that? Uh, a lot of reading, uh, internet, and then trial and error was kind of the best. Because the, the problem with the internet, as everybody knows at this point, is just, just a flood of information. Yeah. And so, everybody's got their own information, right? And there's a lot of like little myths in the cannabis industry. I don't know if there's something like that in the architect industry. Almost like uh, well, superstitions. The, the, well, like, the, the myth in the architecture industry is that we actually draw buildings like eh, mostly dealing with the government. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and we're mostly arguing with the planners. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, marijuana industry, like everybody likes the baby plants and stuff like that. And uh, the reality is the cannabis plant, if you plant it in December, it'll come up in February before any weed. And it's the strongest plant out there. I mean, it's other than maybe a pigweed, which is the bane of my existence. Literally then thus weed. Right. I mean, the idea yeah. Yeah, that yeah. it's a weed. I mean, weed. it's an impressive plant when you let, let it do what it knows right how to and, do. and it's native to like the most harshest places on earth afghanistan yeah africa and that's yeah you know exactly yeah rainforest with a lot of the sativa stuff um you know and then you've got autoflowers in russia uh you know so some really harsh environments and they are it's a beast of a plant you know and going from seed versus clone you know there was a lot of mist there uh that the hemp industry came over year after year after year and now we're at the point where i mean this is a fun comparison i'm actually considering writing a short book or something on this uh, That's why I wanted you on the podcast. Yeah. Number one reason is to ask you about hemp, the rise, the implosion, and all of that. And I want you to get into that, but keep going about your book. Just so yeah. everybody knows, I'm kind of talking to the audience there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the uh, the idea for the book would, would have some of that in it, but it would be more of a macro look at the markets and how regulation affected because because hemp in Colorado and honestly in the United States and marijuana became lay, legal at the exact same time. All right. And... And wasn't that Trump in the executive order? 
No. Nope. It was uh, so you're thinking of the farm bill in 2018. Yes. So that's federally. I'm talking state legalization. Um, and then honestly, hemp products have always been legal in the United States. They just haven't been legal to grow. Right. So you, you can, you can have them. hemp products. You just couldn't grow the plant, which was. And we used to get most of them from Canada then, right? Canada, China, and Europe. Yep. Okay. So there was a lot, like a lot of CBD at the early stages even was coming from China and probably still is. Okay. Um, but a ton was coming from Europe with these really low CBD percentages and stuff. And that's where back to, man, we're going to be jumping all over the place. That's all right. I can already tell. Um, we got, have, we have a six pack plus two more beers. Six pack plus two sours. <laughs> yep. So it'll be good. Um, so anyway, uh, the, uh, the, we'll go to the book, go back to the book, right? So what I'm thinking about doing is, is writing a book that compares because of that time frame, you have this beautiful side by side of marijuana legalization with what would be the most excessive regulation you've ever seen on any industry in the entire world versus honestly, one of the freest markets of the, tw you know, of the 21st century, uh, maybe next to tech. Right. Right. Um, so, but for the average layman like me, who's an idiot, um, you know, that they can get a grasp of and really be successful with, um, without a college education. Yeah. So what you saw is from legalization, you know, marijuana had an initial drop off in price. And then it just stabilized and it's still crazy expensive compared to where it could be. How do I know where it could, could be? Because growing hemp, uh, hemp is a phenotypic classification, which means it's not based on genetic material. It's based on how much THC yeah. one molecule is in the plant. So these are the exact same plants other than that one difference. So all the plants I grow in my fields where I'm planting 4,000 plants an acre, uh, you know, if you grow them indoors, it, I mean, that, that's why there's a smokable hemp fad and we can yes. get into that too. Um, but, uh, hemp dropped from a thousand dollars a pound to it's now, depending on how desperate the farmer is under a dollar a pound. Oh my God. Okay. So, so year one, it was a thousand and year, what are we at now? Uh, eight, nine. Well, exactly. Let's, let's, let's frame it for everybody. So 2013 right. is when it is when you could really first 2012, November, it legalized. With the election, right, yeah. With the election uh, in in uh, Colorado, Amendment 64, and uh, hemp was first farmed the next year, 2013, and it was a thousand dollars a pound, mostly grown in greenhouses. And then the next year, you started to see more outdoor. Uh, Charlotte's Web was the biggest farm in Colorado, and then that's really what skyrocketed the whole industry. Right, was the the CNN documentaries, honestly, with Sanjay Goop. Uh, was what written and Charlotte, yep. right from Charlotte, and Charlotte. it went from hundred. So from went from a hundred or sorry, thousand dollars a pound, a pound down to one. Right, and so let's say most marijuana consumers remember paying, you know, fifty dollars an eighth, a hundred dollars a quad, four hundred dollars an ounce on yep. the black market, and now and I could attest to that as a college kid. I remember those exact prices. Me too. I used to sell it for that in price. in two thousand in in you know when I went to college in two thousand from two thousand eight. The 2001 to 2008, same, same thing. Yep. And, and those prices maintained until 2012, really, um, on the black market. Maybe a little drop in price as more medical growers got into it uh, in Colorado specifically. But um, what, you, what you see now is, let's say you're buying an ounce of marijuana, right? And it used to be $33,000 to $4,000 for a pound of pound marijuana, camp. right? If it were in the same free market system, you would expect it to be $3.50 to $4 a pound. Well, Sorry, the same free market system that you just as described hemp. as hemp. Right, yeah, because right. of that, so that 1,000 to 1. Right, 1,000 yep. to 1. So if you took that same decrease, which is totally possible, and granted, there would still be the niche really What did you say now? So, so if it was totally possible, we'd be down to how much for a pound? 
Uh, you could grow. I could grow. Like four dollars. Four dollars a pound. Cheaper. <laughs> right. Now you'd still have the high end stuff that people want, right? Like the the buds that people want and the really high end stuff. But yeah. But most people in these dispensaries, and you'll find, especially <coughs> with with inflation taking hold and things like that, people buy a lot of the cheapest stuff they can get their hands off, which right now is about a hundred dollars an ounce, maybe cheaper. Well, one of the most popular things that I see down here is just the pre rolls. Yeah. It's so easy to right. just go in there now. They have these little packets. It's yep. like I just want five joints. And you don't have to right. roll them like you're. It's you're literally a, like cigarettes. You're paying a huge premium there because you're paying right. like five bucks for a pre roll, right? Yep. Um, well, smokable hemp. I could sell a pack of 16 one gram uh, pre rolls for uh, to compete with a cigarette, basically, uh, for four dollars for for 16. Wow. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's granted, it's not going to. be... Oh, you mean like so that it's a one to one with a cigarette pack, basically, correct? Minus yeah. the tax to and compete because that. that's yeah. what the smokable hemp industry tried to do and is still trying to do. Right? They're trying to market it as a as a healthier alternative to cigarettes sure. and that's the play yeah there. and it's more affordable but people are still trying to charge eight nine dollars for a pack but if you know how to grow it efficiently like i do where you grow your own feminized seed you drill seed it you don't transplant it you skip the whole greenhouse setup and you're with your machine you're drilling your machine. it in yeah. yeah with a yeah it's a mono sim it's a it's a produce seed planter it's a you know vacuum Runs off the PTO of the tractor. It's a it's a it's a thirty five thousand dollar machine. Yeah. Uh, but you know we planted eighty acres in twenty hours, and that was slow uh, because it was our first time and we're real nervous. Trying to be careful. Trying to be super careful. So, uh, but you know we two thousand pounds an acre, and that's with a uh, early snow in September, and uh, you know three dollars a pound, and that's with our inner row cultivator coming in late because COVID shut down the shipping from the mm. Netherlands, and uh, and that's still three dollars a pound is what we grew for this year. Um, unfortunately, the with price, cost, with cost. Yeah. So unfortunately the price is dollar, a dollar. Yeah. Right? Um, now why, I okay. Enough, why, why did it go from a thousand to one? And then why isn't, right. why isn't the actual anybody marijuana? License, anybody can get a license in hemp. Okay. $500 plus $5 an acre. You can get it. You can buy seeds anywhere on the internet. You can buy, you can buy clones from all over the state, uh, and other states. And, and it, it, you can get up and running for a couple thousand dollars honestly, uh, especially if you're patient. So that's why is it that just the competition level was through the roof. And what's going to be super interesting, which I might wait for before releasing this book is Oklahoma, Oklahoma's mm. marijuana laws. You can grow marijuana. Like we grow hemp, unlimited plant counts outside downside. It's only medical, but the competition level in Oklahoma, check this out. How many grows do you think are in the state of Colorado to provide all the marijuana for the state? Okay, my guess is uh, 24. That's super low. That's the only person who's ever guessed that low. But <laughs> it's, it's just well, under, I've drawn them where they're huge, but right. yeah. It's just under 500 Okay, is what is on the registry. Uh-huh. How many do you think are in Oklahoma? Right now? Right now. And when did they... When and, did, and when, this, this is as of three weeks ago because I stopped checking because it just kept going. Well, if my, number was, if my number was crazy low and that is actually 500, I'm going to say 5,000. Yep. Wow. Over 5,000. Wow. For a population of 3 million. And it's medical only, no recreational. So Oklahoma is about to have the cheapest, highest quality marijuana of anywhere. And ironically, one of the reddest states in the nation is yep. about to flood a ton, a metric shit ton of marijuana all over the state. Because people are going to get desperate. They're not going to be able to sell it. And they're going to start running it out of state. Well, that's exactly. I'm glad you brought up that point. Because yeah. here, here's the reality, right? The reality is I know people... Uh, not personally, but I just know I've been around the block and know, heard enough stories like, yeah, there's people that come from North Dakota, Idaho, or other places where it's illegal. They'll, buy, they'll go from dispensary to dispensary to dispensary. Then they run it all back. Oh, yeah. 
and it's just the reality of it of of the, of the whole situation. Yeah. I mean, there's a, the, like some of the neighboring states, like Wyoming, was threatening to like sue Colorado yep. and, and stuff, Nebraska, right? And I think Oklahoma, Nebraska. Kansas. That's yep. the one I remember. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, you're gonna have that battle for a while, but what's gonna happen is just they're gonna realize that this is a losing battle. Mm-hmm. Finally, with the drug war. With yeah. the drug war, you're just never gonna win. Period. Like you're you're not gonna win. It's it's you, it's too many fish to catch. It's impossible. And hopefully those states will come around to it eventually, uh, even if they remain dry for the most part. At least they won't be throwing people in prison. Well, I think North Dakota probably did it the best. They quietly decriminalized anything under an ounce, personally. Right. And that, you know what I mean? That's yep. so much different than literally what we did in Colorado. We basically advertised to California and the coast like, look at us, look at us with the first ones. Come on in. And now right. our state is just one party rule. It's not a good situation. No. You know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, funny story on that. I was just driving through North Dakota with weed and uh, <laughs> <laughs> got pulled over for a taillight out and uh, the cop just dumped our weed out. Yeah. But they just legalized in November. So right. Was right. Out. Decriminalized. Yep. No, they legalized. What do you mean? South Dakota. Oh, South Dakota. Sorry. Legalized. Yeah. In November. Uh, so shout out to, to that police officer if he's listening. That's awesome. Well done, sir. Yeah. Was, uh, you didn't do what I do. I always just say I'm lost. <laughs> I got out of a ticket a big one the other day. Did you? Yeah. Did you? Pulled over and I was just like, I'm never been here, man. Like, I'm, I've just, where do I go? Like, help me out. And then, then, like, man, does that temperature go down? And they're just like, you know, you could do the opposite and try to shoot them, like I've seen on TV or over the whole summer, but that's not a good idea. That's not a good idea. <laughs> so I told all my idea. kids, like, see, this is what dad did. Right. You could, you can just play idiot, Homer yeah. Simpson idiot, and yeah. get out of tickets. Or be super honest. So I was speeding, coming home from a part uh, fantasy football draft party earlier in the year, and it's Highway 71 in Eastern Colorado. Literally, you're lucky to see one car on the. I would highway. say so. Yep. So I'm probably doing 90 miles an hour coming down the hill, and I see a car in the distance, black, and I'm like, "Oh, that's a cop." Sure enough, it's a cop. Uh, I mean, we're all hungover and probably smell like beer and weed, and he comes up to the car, and granted, you know, none of us were intoxicated or anything like that. He's like, you know, it smells like marijuana in here. And I'm like, yeah, there's probably something in a jar in the back. And he's like, let me see it. Show it to him. He's like, yeah, this is legal now. Hands it back, puts it in the back of the car and uh, gives me a $250 ticket for speeding. For speeding. <laughs> you know, but it's like, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool when, uh, yeah. when, when you're not getting destroyed for a victimless crime. It is which, cool. Which is, uh, it's scary that it happens in this country and all still. over the world. Still. Still. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's probably people who've been executed in you know, a place like Indonesia. Yep, for stuff like that's that. a good example. Yeah, Singapore. Sing- I think. Yeah, Singapore is yep. real bad. If anybody's ever seen it, what's that movie? You know, where it's those kids they go on, they get, they literally get framed. I can't remember, but there's a movie where they get framed. They go to Singapore. Not Huge. coming to mind. But not coming to mind either. That's all right. Yeah. So back to the book. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do a, a, a comparison side by side with with the, the free market, just as like a little Tom Woods ebook type yep. of thing, right? That you would know, be awesome. You know, a little free just, ebook. Yeah, just like personal account of what happened on the ground. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, if you have any marijuana business owner listeners, which is probably unlikely, I'm going to trigger them. Well, here's what we have. Here's what we have. And one of the reasons I wanted to give you on the show is we do have a lot of designers and architects and other entrepreneurs who in these new states. Right. So we got a listener question maybe a month or so ago from New Jersey. Okay. And they said, hey, I know you guys have you guys talked about when you did. Uh, dispensary in Boulder. You've done other other uh, marijuana and ca- cannabis related hemp related stuff, right? And then they said, it "Just re- like, give me some tips about New Jersey." So I so having you as an insider and seeing like, okay, it, it, let's say your state just legalized. Yep. I think they could. If there's some lessons, 
you know, that those those people can learn from you knowing like, okay, maybe I could get ahead of the game here. Because one thing would be like how, how, to get, how to get in front of somebody like you or, or that needs maybe like some kind of design services. I don't know if you're going to do a greenhouse or a, or a grow shop or whatever. Right. So the know. best thing for anybody who's going to be working, try to save them if money long term. So try to design it as efficiently as possible because those prices are going to come down. That's the number one recommendation I can give you because those prices... That's almost the number one dummy mistake that's happened even when we had like a little mini marijuana bust here in Colorado, especially down in Pueblo. There's probably five, six greenhouses that are just vacant and empty because they had thoughts of five, four thousand oh, pounds. Oh, and you, you mean know, bust? You mean you mean pounds. bust like economic bust? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they had these dr- these 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 uh, business plans where they were going to make four thousand dollars a pound, and it dropped to sixteen hundred, even a thousand at one point because everybody was so freaked out and desperate. And now it's worked its way back up to like 1600, 2000, especially with COVID and the increase in demand. But uh, that's what I would recommend is, is, is forecast double what you think the price drop is going to be just to be safe. Because and especially if you're doing hemp uh, is and if you're in the retail industry now, you are what's next. What is retail then? Uh, what does that mean? Direct to consumer. So okay. Whether it's e-commerce or brick and mortar, I would not recommend being brick and mortar, but say you are, uh, forecast price drops because you're next because right now check this out you can buy a, uh, a kilo of 100 percent cbd for 500 to a thousand dollars jesus companies are turning around and selling that for 40 to sixty thousand dollars that's not going to last right right so get ahead of that number one but on the marijuana side if you're honestly set because you're given a government monopoly like you are insured limited competition. And why is, is that? They explain the difference of I like how, how hard is it to get a marijuana license then compared to the hemp? So the hemp, well, you already explained. state, but... Uh, Colorado, for instance. Colorado, the easiest place to do it is in like the super rural com- uh, communities like down in Ordway, uh, which is by me. You can yep. get a license for $15,000. The problem here is that a lot of the shops have to grow 70% of their own yeah. material, right? So the wholesale market isn't very big here anyway because of that law. So that's going to limit you here in Colorado, but that's the easiest place to go in Colorado. It's like a super rural area, uh, a town that hasn't created uh, a dispensary license system yet and go, you know, apply, advocate, talk to city council, all that shit architects do mm-hmm. and, and go for that. That's your best way, because if you can get a license, it's like a golden ticket. You know, it's it, it's it's basically government subsidized and they're going to they're going to make sure that happens because they're generating revenue off of it the taxes are high yep right it's like 35 percent, right correct and if yep. the prices are high their revenue is higher so they have no incentive to increase the competition and they only let out like let's say you go to a new county yep. and maybe that that they're only they're do like they're like we're gonna let out so many licenses right too i mean they, they so literally like Arapaho would be a great example of that where they were like uh, three licenses per ward. I'm going off the top of my head. It might have been five. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you're talking about an area that probably has. Uh, well, this is the city of Aurora, actually. Uh, Aurora's so about Aurora. half a million, I would say. Right, at this it's point. about half a million people in Aurora, and you've got I don't know how many wards. Let's say five. You got 25 stores. Well, how many liquor stores do you think you have? Right. In that city, you know, one on every corner. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, that artificial limitation is going to drive those prices up. And the other thing that like you alluded to earlier, that's going to drive those prices up is out of towners coming in. Yeah. You know what I mean? So out of towners coming in and I don't care who you are, uh, what dispensary owner you are, you're selling to out of towners and benefiting from that, which is fine. I have no problem with that, but that's what's happening in yes. the economy. You know yes. what I mean? Is it's that's allowing you to charge higher prices, which is cool. You know what I mean? But, but if there was more competition, if I could do what I do with hemp, 
this is going to blow your mind. For $2 million, I could harvest 2 million pounds of 8% THC and completely fill Colorado's need for hemp. Oh, my God. If there was no regulation. But there is. You mean hemp or you mean marijuana? Or marijuana. Sorry, sorry. marijuana. We're yeah. jumping back and forth, and that's probably going to confuse some listeners. Yeah. But, um, you know, we're drinking beer. So yeah, yeah. That'll happen. Why, why is 8%? What, tell me what... Like, that's, what uh, so what happens is pretty much when you're doing like a large-scale production of something cannabis-related, it's really hard to trim all the fan leaf off, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, if I have 100 acres of hemp, it's going to cost me $20, $30 a pound to get all the fan leaf off, and my CBD percentage is probably going to go from 8% to 12 or 14 or maybe 16%, right? But that's only going to get me double the price. So that's going to take me from a dollar to two dollars, you know. But it cost me twenty. So the, the, econ- the, the economies of scale don't work. Yeah. On that large scale, and so that's why I said there would still be a very, very large boutique bud industry. But all of your casual smokers or yeah. your old timers who are like, man, that new weed's too potent for me. Yep. They would want that old stuff. So that's what the Mexican cartel used to do back in the day. So, you know, that's the illu- uh, the misconception that Republicans and conservatives have on marijuana is they're like, oh, the new stuff's no more potent. No, the new stuff's just trimmed and isn't harvested in Mexico on mass scale and just the whole plant packed into a, brick. into a brick. So when you pack the whole plant into a brick, you're going to be six to eight percent. If you trim it up and get just the buzz. I see what you're saying. That's an interesting to nuance. 30%. So it's, it's uh, a very, is there still brickweed? Not in Colorado. Okay. But, I haven't seen brickweed uh, for about there's two probably decades. Probably some in Texas <laughs> and really? Louisiana. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah maybe yeah, not sure. Louisiana, Alabama. You know, some of those southern <laughs> states. But no, most poor of it's bastards. gone. And uh, yeah, poor bastards. <laughs> right. Straight up. Uh, first thing I did when I graduated uh, high school and got our own little townhouse is uh, we bought a like five hundred dollar pound of brickweed. You know. Yeah. So those uh, the Mexican cartel. There you go. Look at that profit margin. They were growing brickweed for a dollar a pound. Wow. And, and uh, getting it up here and selling it for 500. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So. So you don't hate. It's not that it's not that you John Kyle hates the monopoly. It's just and this is a point that I try to make to to liberty and freedom people and people who just get economics. Right. I'm like look, you're in a it's like it's like we talked about right when we started the podcast about like political activism like eh, it's kind of after you do it enough after you do it enough you realize it's a waste of time. So, like, for me, it's the same thing about, like, bitching about these economic systems that you're in or whatever. And, like, oh, we're not a complete... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand you're not in a complete free market system. I understand you got to pay taxes and stuff like that. And, and yeah, it all sucks. But, like, you you at least recognize the, the problem. And then, obviously, you've recognized that the opportunity. So, there's an opportunity. Like, yeah, the government's kind of giving you an opportunity as long as you can be one of the monopoly people. Correct. In there. Yep. But that's not, but yeah, so that's, I don't know. I mean, that's interesting. I mean, I do dislike it very much because it's negative. Like think about all the wasted economic output that's buying a product that can be produced for fractions. Mm -hmm. That's frustrating to me. Like all of the other things these people could be spending their money on instead of marijuana. Yeah. This high priced weed. Right. Crazy. And that's what's super exciting about Oklahoma is they're going to be the shining example of what free market cannabis can look like. And there's already people advocating for more regulation down there, the big boys, of course. Yeah. So, because they know restricted supply or restricted license supply is going to benefit them. But I think 5,000 licenses, you kind of already let the genie out of the body. And that's just grow licenses. That's not 
extraction and that's not shops. That's just grow licenses. What if somebody doesn't want to, uh, cause this is what I thought too. When North, when North Dakota said, yeah, we're going to allow there to be you to grow medical marijuana. And they, when they first passed it, I was looking into it. It was like, cause I, th- I had the same thought of like, Oh my God. Yeah. It's a monopoly. If we got one of the five, like we are set just for having a license. Like I could literally just partner up with somebody at that point and say, look, look, I got the license. I jumped through all the hoops. Like it, it, that's worth something to somebody. Oh yeah. The, 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 Flip on licenses in Colorado back in the day was a hundred x return on your investment because you used to be able to get them pretty cheap, and then all of a sudden they started restricting the supply, and people were able to turn these ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollar licenses that they bought maybe a hundred grand into one million, two million dollar licenses that they were turning around and selling. What's the bank? What's banking been like lately? Have, have they finally solved that problem? Uh, depends on who you talk to. So. E-commerce, no. Even for CBD, it's a nightmare. Like, uh, we started a little small website earlier this year with Vinny. Shout out to Vinny. Yeah. Awesome uh, website designer. Super patient with me and uh, the calamity that has been my project. <laughs> but uh, he's been awesome. But uh, uh, it's been a nightmare. You can t- I mean, you could have him on and ask him about it, but it is a nightmare to get the, uh, the, the online payment set up portal. Unless you want to lie. You know, but when you're trying to do because they, would they just flag you? Yeah, and then uh, say you're a small CBD guy like me, just getting into the retail side, and they look at you like, oh, half a million dollars a year, and I'm risking all this. You know, it's not worth it. Versus like some of my customers, you know, they're doing ten million dollars a year. They're like, okay, you know, we'll do business with you because it's worth the risk because our mm-hmm. revenue makes sense. You know, so that side's still a nightmare, but. Uh, after the 2018 farm bill, banking did get easier uh, on like checking accounts, for example, stuff like that. Uh, and now you can use your credit card in a dispensary, which you never used to be able to. So it has gotten better, uh, but it's still nothing compared to just like a normal business. Yeah. You know, it's and, still. And to give everybody a picture, like people were carrying around like hundreds, sometimes even millions of dollars of cash. Yeah. And storing it in safes. Especially in California. That's all they were doing. Yeah. Just a shitload of cash. Very dangerous. Very like cartel-like. And there's just no way around that word. Oh, yeah. My first dispensary that I was partnered with, with 303 Seeds, got broke into twice for weed and electronics. And uh, luckily, they couldn't get into the safe where the cash was. But they drove a vehicle through the garage door of the rear of the grow. Twice. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the first time they, they blew the, the hinges off the door, came in that way. They like reinforced the door and then they drove the next time. They think it was the same people, drove a van through the garage door, robbed them again, and then they got guard dogs. So that solved that problem. That solved that problem. Yeah. Yeah. But, and way, way more high tech security system. But a lot of that would have been mitigated with obviously a lack of drug war everywhere where the value wasn't crazy, where people were willing to break in and go drive it across state lines and make a bunch of money because... We're talking about back when if you took a pound from Colorado and drove it east, you were going to make $5,000 a pound. Did, do you, so, like, hindsight is twenty twenty. but if people are listening to this and they're like, yeah, but I, my stage is legalized hemp and I want, I want to start, like, would you? Or at this point, or no? I mean, if is you it even love worth it? it? Absolutely. Just look at uh, the best comparison. Uh, look at the lavender industry. Right. Okay. Okay. So the lavender industry, you got people, little small farms who do farmers markets, stuff like that. But they also, uh, you know, they grow their own, they extract their own and they sell it to retail. You know, that's the vertically integrated model you need to pursue. Silly me. I thought. Meaning it's just front to back. They're the whole There's going to be no wholesale market. 
Okay. There's going to be no large scale production because it's not needed. It's just, it's, it's so easy to produce a large amount of CBD, whatever molecule you want to describe, CBG, CBC, some of these other new stuff that's coming in. It just doesn't make sense. And we haven't even gotten into the idea that most of what's been produced is through clone or feminized seed. And so feminized seed is where you take uh, either colloidal silver or a sodium thiosulfate and silver nitrate mix. You block a hormone in the female plant, stresses it out. It produces male sex organs, but the pollen that comes off of that is XX chromosome, right? Each pollen is X, right? So when that X pollen pollinates an X female that you have in the room with it, you're left with an XX seed. So you get 99.9% female with some Hermes, right? So you get an almost entirely female field and your, your yields go way up, you know, so versus a dioecious field, which is male and female in the, in the, in the field, uh, you're probably going to max out at like a thousand pounds an acre. But what's happening is those guys are able to produce a thousand pounds an acre while also producing seed and fiber, which allows them to sell that mm. biomass for a dollar a pound, 50 cents a pound. And when they're traditional farmers who usually are working on making $500 an acre, that's good money for them. So that's one of the things I overlooked and didn't have mm. knowledge of on the agricultural side was how quickly we would scale up and turn into just complete commercial crop. You know what I mean? Where it's just, I mean, this year I didn't even touch anything by hand. Um, the, the hoeing crew had to, <clears> but we wouldn't have had to do the hoeing crew had the inner row cultivator showed up on time. Mm. So that was COVID. Cost it, me 150 grand, self-employed, no W-2 employees, yeah. no bailout. Yep. You know, so that's always fun. Yep. Which is, and then you're watching guys like, uh, this is just me ranting a little bit, but you're watching guys like Tom Brady take PPP money and it's just like, you motherfucker. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're worth half a billion dollars, dude. Yep. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's pretty wild. It is wild. Uh, what, that's one question I wanted to ask you is like, so, uh, the, earlier this year I was telling you, I've told you about it a couple of times we, we built a, we built a, it's a barn dominium on we even talked about on the way up to the office today about how expensive it was or whatever but it was on a hemp farm little, little hemp farm compared right. to pretty 10 acres uh it was not a good investment by one of my clients to do this because of the price drop like you talked about right um but one of the th and but then this year so that that was last summer and then this summer then walking around the farm was like ah oh, look there's a plant there's a plant yeah what what is there is there and is like should should people be worried about like we're gonna have all of these fucking hemp plants coming up that are just wild and yep. does that is that bad for the industry? Uh, that is going to be bad for the marijuana industry. Okay, um, but so here's something exciting. So I I was working on it for the last year and a half. Didn't complete the project, uh, but was working on producing triploids. Uh, so your traditional cannabis plant has two chromosomes. It's a diploid. Uh, that allows it to pollinate male to female because they both have two chromosomes. They break in half, haploid, haploid to haploid creates another diploid. So just super basic biology. Uh, what you can do and what, and this is bananas, strawberries, um, hops, like, I mean, wheat. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a super common agricultural practice where you force, uh, you stress a plant into, uh, doubling its chromosomes and you do this with a chemical that when uh, mitosis is taking place it breaks down the cell wall and then it reforms around four four chromosomes 
Uh, you take that and you pollinate it with a diploid, and the offspring is what's called a triploid. Same thing with a mule, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, so okay. That's, so there you go. Now, that, now I'm connecting. Yeah. You had to move to Sorry, an animal for animal, me. Yeah. <laughs> One of them, I don't know which it is, but let's say it's the the horse is 64 chromosomes, and the donkey is 62. When they breed, they produce a 63 chromosome mule. Yeah. Okay? And it's like one in a million that's not sterile. Right. Um, so that you can do that with the plant world. And that is uh, what is likely going to happen with hemp. Um, but I think it's going to happen. On Where we're going to have a ton of wild sterile hemp, basically. Um, no, no, no. The, the wild hemp will not go away in all likelihood and will still produce dioecious hemp. Uh, but the, 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 there may be a potential where uh, you do have sterile hemp. But I meant to say is the, the marijuana industry mm. is going to shift to a sterile only uh, triploid production outdoors to protect from that. Because uh, it's pretty simple technology once it gets integrated. And that's the other fascinating thing about the free market versus the highly regulated market. Super low plant counts make breeding hard, make all these experiments hard when you're just trying to focus on profit. And the R&D space isn't as open, right? Because you have a very specific amount of plants you can get or you have a very limited amount of square footage that was super expensive to build and create and license. And you don't really want to waste it on experiments. Now in hemp, these guys up in Oregon, Oregon CBD, biggest seed company in the industry, most successful guides hired a bunch of PhDs from Oregon state university. They've produced triploids and they won't admit this, but they're doing CRISPR gene editing and CRISPR gene editing is where you go in and you can turn on and off different alleles. So they've, now they can create turn on, on and off what different alleles alleles. Yeah. Okay. So that's in your genetic code where, uh, the, the T, uh, THC synthase is an allele that creates THC. CBD synthase is an allele that creates CBD. And so they can go in and turn these on and off and create different terpene profiles. They can, you know, bigger buds. And this is going on in all sorts of crops, right? And what the dirty little secret is that nobody knows is that it's not counted as a GMO because you're not splicing another species into it. You're just only affecting that one and turning stuff on and off. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they just came out with their first sterile line. It's three different strains, three different cannabinoids, impossible to do through selective breeding, has to be CRISPR gene editing, and it's all sterile. Super awesome. But uh, you know, I think it's gonna be much more profitable in the marijuana industry. So if somebody's looking for you know, a leg up in a, in a marijuana industry where they're not just trying to grow flour, look into producing triploids. Because I think, especially if you have outdoor capability, like somewhere like Oklahoma, mm-hmm you know, where there's hemp and marijuana outside and you want to have a high quality outdoor product or even greenhouse. It's super hard to keep pollen out of a greenhouse. Why? Just because of the ventilators? Yep. Because you're constantly pushing fresh air through. I mean, you have hundreds to. of thousands of CFM. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. And the filters just can't, like... They can. Uh, so there's a company here in Colorado that has a 0.1 micron filter that can even filter out the, uh, the vid. Mm-hmm. And uh, I put them on a greenhouse that I was working on this summer that is now empty, not doing anything. And, uh, yeah, you can do it. It's just, even then a huge dust storm comes through and you think, oh, well, it's all sealed up. No, the whole thing's full of dust. (laughs) So you can't actually keep all the pollen out. You're just reducing it. Yeah. And especially on large scale, I mean, that was a one acre greenhouse. So trying to seal a one acre greenhouse, Oh my especially with negative pressure versus positive pressure, super, super difficult. Yeah. I believe it. So, you know, buildings are full of seams in case everybody doesn't know. Um, what would you, so, so now you're moving on, right? I mean, in all likelihood, 90% chance. Yeah. Yeah. So I would have, I would have to not be able to sell all the hemp I currently have 
which would limit my choices <coughs> to then probably moving to upstate New York on a small farm and doing small scale production, extracting myself and selling retail on like farmer's market style. And that's the only way I would recommend people going at it. E-commerce, farmer's market, you know, you can be as big as you want that way, but start that way. Don't think you're just going to go out, throw some seeds in the ground and become a millionaire because a lot of people thought that. And when we discussed earlier, when I was uh, earlier in the year, probably last year, I yep. was asking about podcast equipment because I wanted to potentially get a podcast going for the hemp industry that was warning people like, hey, this is coming. These price drops are going to keep coming. Don't be thinking you're going to become a millionaire overnight, you know, that type of stuff because uh, the seed sellers, they have no problem telling you you're going to make 10000 20000 30000 an acre just to get you to buy okay, some Okay, exactly. So, so what is... There's got to be so one one of the things I thought about again back to like when I was thinking about doing something like this in North Dakota was I already talked the licenses but then even down here I was like okay I I get the banking problem it's still federally an issue you know and this is prior to like 2018 right and I was talking to Alex like there's got to be like a okay it, what's it, a secondary industry we can play off of this you know is it is it growing supplies like there's got to still be a safe play of like. Like you just said about the seeds, like, well, the seed people are, they're like insurance salesmen, it sounds like, you know? Yeah, and they crushed it, and uh, they were the second ones to really see a price drop. So it went farmers, and when farmers got hurt, who's there? Right. You know, seed guys got hurt, and then extractors got hurt. I mean, Mile High went bankrupt, Jen Cannon went bankrupt, Shy went bankrupt. I mean, these are guys with millions and millions and millions of dollars, and I outlasted every single one of them, and... They lost way more money than I will ever they, lose. They, were just, they must have just been more leveraged than you. Way more leveraged. Yeah. And they were just forecasting these crazy huge prices. Huge prices. And they weren't forecasting price Jesus. drops. And even if they were, they might they were like, oh, it's going to drop 30%. Well, it dropped 90. You know what I mean? It went from... It almost sounds like tulip mania. It was. Uh, but... In a way. In a way. But the thing is, tulips were never illegal. Yeah. So it went from a highly restricted, highly regulated market to the freest market you've ever seen, and that created a bubble. It really was a green rush here, man. And that's I mean, it was wild. It was wild from 2013. I would say, I would say, up until about like 2018, 2019. I mean, we still had people coming into the office all the time, like doing these grow ops and just yep. all kinds of tertiary things related to marijuana and cannabis and hemp and all that. Oh yeah. Um, one of the one of the. F- I, I mean, this should have been a top signal to me, but I was just uh, in love. You know, I, I truly well, had a... I mean, think about it. Let, let's do a recap for everybody. Like, John was growing in his attic. Yeah. And so, like, he was like, I'm going to do this for a living. It's fucking awesome. Right. Well, and, <laughs> and we took $10,000 and over six years turned it into over a million. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we're probably going to end up with about half a million if everything works out. Um, so that's a huge loss this year. Yeah. Should have quit last year. Yeah. But, um, you know, hindsight being 2020. Yeah. But anyway, uh, when I bought my farm down there, which was big mistake, I should have just kept renting. Uh, but you know, I got tired of dealing with landlords and like I said, I was in love, but this, uh, town that is east of me about four miles, five miles Fowler. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, another small town hemp took over like there was an old tomato factory there that some hemp farmer bought that was a terrible hemp farmer and uh, <laughs> i mean we're talking by the time i'm doing mechanized stuff they're still out in the field hand chopping and throwing it in a trailer mm. behind an suv and driving it over to this barn to hang and oh dry my and god touching the plant so many times and every time you touch the plant your price goes up you know what i mean and that, that's the way i just kept thinking about it is how do i stop touching this plant you know and that's what we did this year to where we literally never touched 
a plant with our hands, except from seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We harvested manually. We did everything manually. And if you do that and everything works, you can grow for a dollar a pound. No problem. A dollar a pound. And uh, the, uh, where was I going with that? Sorry. Um, I don't remember either. I don't remember. But, um, oh, the bubble, that this property, 60 acres, water rights. Water rights are probably worth 400 grand. It's a shitty old uh, brick house. The on farm it. you bought? Nope, nope. This is down the road in Fowler. Oh, okay. The other Fowler. guy, yeah. Yeah. So uh, this company came in and bought it for cash, $1.2 million. 20, How many acres? 60, $20,000 an acre. That's, eh, that, and, and just for everybody knows, like, but no, no offense, John, but where John's farm is, is kind of bum, bum fuck. I mean, it's, it, it it's really outside, is. Yeah. It's outside of a town of a thousand people. Southeast can't. Colorado is like very sparse, yes. very plains. Uh, yeah. The county is 13,000 people, I think. Yeah. So you're, you're tiny, tiny population. The farm was probably worth 400 to $500,000 and it was bought cash for 1.2 and sat fallow this year. Oh. Yeah. They didn't do anything with it. And the year before, they grew maybe four <coughs> acres of hemp. Quite crazy. So just crazy losses there. Shy Farms down the road from there, out of, outside of Pueblo, they were in the newspaper taking on you know venture capital money and lost it all. They got built. That's what I was going to say. Built. It's, it's got to be from venture capitalists, like oh, yeah. Silicon there Valley was, people. There was uh, NFL players. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. <laughs> the typical stuff. Yeah. But um, we want to grow weed. Yep, exactly. But uh, the Shy Farms, man, uh, that was crazy. They did like 400 acres. Most of it blew away in a windstorm. And then they left like their best 25 acres in the field and lost their pivots that they had, you know, taken out dead on, couldn't pay anybody. They still got like a natural gas line. They were trying to increase their natural gas. It's still sticking out of the ditch when they haven't even attached it to the property. Good grief. You know, a building half built. I mean, that, I mean, it was very reminiscent of 2008. Yes. That's what it feels like when you're describing it. Like this giant rush, a lot of, (laughs) a lot of easy money. Yep. Coming into it because everybody thought they were gonna make a ton of money. Yep, equipment guys did great. You know, they really did. I mean, they're sitting on stuff now, but they were charging 200, 300, 400 percent markup on equipment, and people were buying it like nothing. Mm-hmm. And so those guys, tertiary. There you go. You know, equipment is the way to do making things more efficient. Um, fertilizer, that's a good one. Uh, CO two, or you know, this yeah, the supplies. The supplies. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yep. the supplies they help you get going. I think that's. Absolutely. That's something to be reckoned with for sure. Absolutely. And then I'm telling you, whoever gets, uh, and I told this to the uh, Colorado State inspectors that came out and did a hemp inspection because they do marijuana inspections in two. I was like, you're going to see triploid marijuana come in in the next two to five years. But hemp beat them to it because it's a free market, more Mm -hmm. competition, push the envelope, another chapter in the book. Yeah, So definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's been a fun ride. I I don't think I would... uh, is anybody else talking about this? Like I, it. the implosion? I, like this? I mean, local. Do you hear it? Do you hear it? Because I don't see like well, there's no. no headlines where they're like hemp industry is seeing massive drops. Well, and, and that's the other thing I was trying to explain to other farmers is like we are seeing these massive crashes, tons of people losing like their life savings. Yes, uh, and not a single headline about it. Yeah, and it's because that's how small our market is. Okay, but you mean cap per like cap wise on a on a, per, on a cap or a per capita? I mean, like you might hear about people doing hemp farms, but most of them are like one acre. Yeah, you know, 
using their dad's money, whatever, just fucking around, trust fund kids, that type of stuff. Um, the guys who were doing it seriously were super few and far between, and a ton of them lost their ass. Yeah, it sounds like it. Where yeah. do you see it going from here? Nationwide, even maybe worldwide. Like, where does, as more, as more states legalize, decriminalize, whatever you want to call it. Hemp or marijuana? I will, do both. Okay. Where does hemp go from here with that kind of a price drop? And then how about how about marijuana? I think hemp's going to go to the dioecious. Uh, CBD production is going to go a lot to the dioecious uh, strains where you've got male... F- this beer's making me burp, sorry. <laughs> um, the, where you've got the dioecious uh, male females, you can get seed, you can get fiber, and you can... So it's tri-cropping is what, what people are calling it. Right. So, so, you, so it's multi-product. Right. And that allows you to sell the biomass for cheaper. It's going to be really hard for feminized seed production people to compete with that. Um, so I think a lot of the technology that's been developed in the hemp industry is going to end up in the marijuana industry because it is such a seamless transition. Um, that being said, there still is going to be room for like Oregon CBD to continue to produce stuff, especially cause they have like a very Tesla cult like following, uh, where people will, a Tesla, Tesla, you said that real fast. Yeah. So a, like a cult following, a cult following, yeah. like, like Tesla, the company yeah. where, uh, even though you laugh at me, but I have a Tesla truck on order. So I, yeah, I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. Still keeping the suburban. That's don't worry. cool. It's all good. You know, it's uh, you know, I don't have a problem with cars. They're cool. All that. But, uh, it's 0.6% of the fucking auto industry. <laughs> I know. It's <laughs> so small. the richest man in the world. You, all of a sudden this last week, dude, it's yeah. insane. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, you know, it is what it is. People like what they like, yeah. but, um, uh, Oregon CBD is going to be able to capitalize on that. Interesting. Because the vertically integrated people will be able to pay that premium to advertise, hey, we have Oregon CBD genetics, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. And uh, the, if there's any wholesale, it'll be dioecious stuff. And then I think as time goes on, uh, actually, I saw a great, I think it must have been on CNBC or something, analysis. And it was, I didn't really believe the guy. Obviously, I should have. But uh, I was already partially invested into this year. So there might have been some bias there. Uh, yeah, he's sure. like, we don't think you need to own any hard assets in this industry because you're going to be able to buy everything you want cheaper than you can produce it. And there you are. Here he we was, are. He was, he was nailed it. Yeah. You no, know, sh- no kidding. Six months later he was right. Yeah. So I think that's kind of where the big guys are going to be, uh, for a while. And then they're going to be able to buy super cheap equipment. They're going to remain vertically integrated yep. and pick on the methods. Cause that's been one of the really interesting parts about hemp farming is everybody trying different methods. Plastic mold. because it's so new, right? Yeah, and it was shut down for how many years? Like 1930s, 30s, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. think. Yeah, uh, so almost uh, what is that? Almost 80 years, exactly. 80 years, yep. yep. So it was shut down for 80 years, and that's why the fiber didn't really take off in the states so much, is because uh, it was already so developed everywhere mm-hmm. else, right? Yeah, and the seed was already so developed everywhere yeah. else. But the just seed in case was, everybody knows, like rope is made out of hemp. If you didn't know yeah, that, the Constitution is uh, written on hemp. Literally, paper. yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. uh, money used to be yeah. printed on hemp. Yep. Yeah, all those ropes, well, on fiat, those, but yeah, uh, those old uh, boats coming across. Yep. from England, for all, you know, hemp mm-hmm. for the most part. So, yeah, I mean, it's super versatile. I think there's so that's where actually, if you're trying to get into the hemp industry, uh, textiles, you know, uh, like look, 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 this cardboard that are six pack, right? You know, making stuff like this out of yep. hemp. Uh, I think that's even buildings. Huge. They're starting yep. to do stuff like that. Hempcrete. Uh, I'm not an architect nor an engineer, but from what I understand, it actually gets stronger and it petrifies does. over time, yep. which is absolutely fascinating to me. And concrete doesn't petrify. It just gets more brittle and will right. eventually crumble and break. And eventually crumble and break. Yep. So that to me is, I mean, talk about building something that might, might last. Centuries. And if you're a greenie, a lefty greenie listening to this podcast, and that should just perk your ears all day long, right? Oh, yeah. Save the earth. Save the earth. 
Yeah. Uh, and the other thing, so uh, we're considering moving to Puerto Rico, and there's an island called Viscasis. I there. hope you live next to Peter Schiff. Uh, and eventually, on... I want to bring up Peter Schiff and ask you a question about it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, Peter Schiff's on the other side of the island. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so he's on the west coast, I believe, over by Rincon. That's where we were looking. Yeah. So that's over on the west coast. Uh, I'm looking complete east coast, a uh, little island called Culebra, mm-hmm. uh, population like 11, 1200. Nice. Uh, Flamenco Beach, one of the most beautiful beaches in the world, and a uh, tiny little arid island with some wild horses and beautiful beaches one little surf beach it's not as good as Racon, but i'm not a uh, professional surfer so yeah that's i don't it's we're too old for yeah, that shit at this point, yeah. <laughs> i mean i'll be kiteboarding and sailing and scuba diving and snorkeling and stuff like that if we if we end up going down there but i think what we're going to do is is, is it's purchase a farm but anyway on the hemp side of things uh what's really cool about it is it it grabs all sorts of heavy metals and toxins out of the ground which is cool but also sucks for farmers. So that's one of the pitfalls hmm. a lot of farmers ran into is they had some contaminated fields that they didn't know were contaminated. Mm. They put hemp in there, their product tested hot and they had to throw it away. Okay. Lost a whole bunch of money that way. Benefit to that place like Viscasis where the military was yep. bombing has all these, you know, toxins in the soil. You can plant a bunch of hemp, harvest it, ship it off to a disposal site and you've got clean ground again. It's one of the coolest plants, man. Super cool. I, exa- exactly. It's so sad. It was demonized for so long. I think we'd, we'd be in a better place as a society if it wasn't. If all know? drugs weren't. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. You know? Especially when you start talking about the psychedelic side of things. And, yep. you know, we don't have to get into that though. Yeah. But yeah, I think society but, in general. But where do you, so back to the original question. Yep. So where do you see it going from here? Like hemp into both into that. So I think the fiber is going to explode. Yeah. Uh, specifically for the textile purposes. I think that's going to be huge. Uh, CBD is going to continue to be relevant for those who have outlets to retail customers. Yeah. And that's where I would focus if you're going to start a hemp farm. Marijuana, it's going to continue to legalize across the nation. It has to. I has mean, at to. this point, it's over, tw- over, over, we're over the 50% mark right. now, aren't we? Right at it or over it? Yeah. I haven't looked at it. I thought it was Since 26. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was right. at 26. I think you're right. So what I would like to see is more Oklahomas mm-hmm. because I think it's going to prove to be the best option. And what eventually happened is if you get a bunch of those, they're just going to start flooding into the Why already. do you think they did that in Oklahoma? Do you think it was because of the so because because it's a poor red state and they were like, we need to help out the farmers? Well, here's the I mean, I hope I that the government would have some compassion right. at here, some point. Here, here's the rumor I heard. Uh, and I haven't confirmed this, so you have to do some research if this piques your interest. But I heard there was uh, whoever, the chick who was in charge of issuing the licenses and like setting up the whole system uh, was super anti, like did not want this to happen, right? Did not want the marriage. And this was, a, this was a bureaucrat that was appointed, not an elected. She just so. had I believe this is like a it might have secretary been, or something, maybe right. secretary or something. It could have been the agriculture. She created a bunch of fake emails and sent threatening letters to herself. Got ah. caught, <laughs> right? Got caught. And because she had been dragging her feet, they had a deadline they had to hit. And they just kind of said, fuck it. Go for Go it. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Thanks, government. And, yeah. And it was, uh, it turned out to be, I think it's going to be awesome, personally. I mean, I would love nothing more. That was, we were considering Well, it's really, going inter- to I got to tell you, man, just honestly, like, yeah. it's interesting that you're not bitter about this. It's interesting that you're just, you're, but you're open about it and you're okay with, like, look, you you already said, talked about money and, like, how much you, you know. Half a million dollars. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that's nothing to. But you had to make it to lose it. Right. Oh, and that's I true. made it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I turned 10,000 into a million. Yeah, I lost half of it, but 10,000 into a half million is yeah. still pretty good. Yeah. Especially for more people, somebody, need, more people need to have your perspective, though. Well, but I also I hate with a burning passion 
people in our frame of thought who go against their principles when it's convenient. Yeah. I advocate for my principles even when it's inconvenient. And I think that says something, maybe not about me, but about the principles that it's like, I understand that I made the wrong choices and that the consumer is getting the benefit of that. Mm -hmm. And that's what a free market is supposed to do. Yes. It's not supposed All to day. make you rich yep. just because you worked hard. Because yep. I killed myself for the last five years. Mm -hmm. I worked for free and then some <laughs> this right. last year. Been there, done that, yep. You know, and uh, Yeah, exactly, like you have. I mean, I don't know how many people have ever been weeding in a field, uh, you know, paying people $15 an hour. You're working there for free and paying to be there. Yep. You know what I mean? That's that's, And I'm sure you've done that on construction sites mm -hmm. and stuff like that where you know you're not going to lose money, but you just need to get whatever you can back. Yep, and right? survive. And survive. Yep. And yeah, and that's, it's a learning curve. You know, I can't wait to pass these lessons on to my kids. I think that's going to be awesome. Absolutely. I'm glad we're recording it, dude. You know, seriously. Yeah. yeah. The, okay. Back to, so hemp, where you think it's going there, but marijuana. So if, if 26 states have legalized, that's our guess at this point. It's, it's January 11th, 2021. So yeah, confirm. exactly. <laughs> John's down to a flip phone. Yep, my combine uh, ate my last smartphone and I said, fuck it, I'm done. I love it. I love that, dude. I was talking to my wife. I was literally talking to my wife. Cheers again, man. It's really good to see you. Excellent. Um, I was talking to my wife. The I think. only thing I don't regret about the Libertarian Party is you. Is me? Yep. Yeah, same to you, bud. <laughs> yeah, other than that, waste time I'm telling you guys. Absolutely. Every party. Just. Oh, yeah. Agorism. That's your, that should be your life. Agorism. S so uh, I was telling my wife, though, so like, uh, was it on Sunday? So it would have been yesterday or the day before. She was like, because she watched, um, what the hell movie did she watch? Uh, some social media. The Social Dilemma. If you've ever watched that movie. Yep. But okay, yeah. It's about social media. Just like. I've watched the Joe Rogan interview with, uh, was it Tristan? It's 100% Harris? true. Yep. Yeah. And if anybody who listens to this show, you already know, like, eh, Lance is done. Lance quit. John yep. Kyle was was blown away. John Kyle's been quit for like maybe two or three years. Maybe no, even longer. No, 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 no. Just about a year now. About a year? Yeah. yeah. It's Don't give uh, me too much credit. Okay. But, All right. Oh, but remember, I did have that, like, I quit. And then you brought me back yeah. to Facebook because I was like, <laughs> I miss Lance. Yeah. And then, I am entertaining. I'll fuck, I mean, it's the truth. Yeah, you are entertaining. <laughs> so, uh, but I, anyway, my, I, I literally came home after the president of the United States got banned from Twitter, uh, which, was, which was Friday. So I came home and I'm like, holy cow, my wife has a social dilemma on television. And I was just, I went on this rant. She was like, she's like, well, would you ever give up your smartphone? I'm like, Absolutely. I would follow. I would follow John Kyle's lead, and I would get a flip phone. That's not a problem. Yep. So they're uh, just so good at tricking your brain and making it addictive. Yes, dude. They're so good at it. It's their job. Yeah. Imagine if that was your job and you had almost unlimited money. You would get really good at doing that. Absolutely. And that's what Silicon and Valley is like doing. They bring up in the social dilemma. One of the great points I thought they have instant feedback. So like that's the, yes. Like let's. Oh, bring, and and let's, what was freaky was like then they could target you and be like ah he's not getting. I mean that was a little. A futuristic but like i'm pretty sure they've done that before well if you allow the notifications on your phone yep i mean my wife still has her smartphone and she'll get like a notification from pinterest or wish like hey look at this mm -hmm. hey look at that yep. you know and they're, they're prodding you like come on yep. just a little crack just just, uh, just, just a take, just eat it you know <laughs> it's crazy it they're is. so good at it and then uh the i thought what was fascinating about that was uh the instant feedback compared to hemp and like uh with hemp farm, well, farming in general, one shot every 365 days to get every step correct. Mm -hmm. And you really do have to hit mm -hmm. planting, cultivating. You have to hit all these really well-timed to get the optimum outcome. Absolutely. And you don't get to try again right. for a year. Mm -hmm. You know, indoor growing every two months, you get to try again. So sure. you can get good at it quicker. They get to try 
several times an hour. Yeah. You know, I mean, just the learning capability is just so quick. Fascinating. And now when you have three companies, Apple, Amazon, and Google, then controlling where the apps can even go. And then you saw that with it. This is again on January 11th, 2021. So, you know, parlor was just like everybody, all my, all my right of center friends were like, Oh, don't worry. Let's go to parlor. I'm yeah. like, all right, then what? And then literally the same day, then oh, then now parlor is deep platform. So I'm telling you, like, you got to just get away. You got to get away. I think so too. And I honestly, I think it's better for humanity. Yep. Until we can learn to deal with it better, you know, and until we can literally handle, I, I, look, I I struggle with this, handle other people's opinions. I think that's that's my biggest critique on the whole thing is not so much the attention span what it does to your attention span and how it, how it addicts you. It's that we used to relegate the crazy people to the corner of the street and they would yell with their sign about crazy stuff. And now all the, all the, every single person is on the corner, you know, metaphorically speaking, tweeting about it. And it's like, this is overload. This is not, it's just not how humanity has been for hundreds of thousands of years. Well, and it's crazy how what somebody posted on Twitter has become news. Yeah. And it's not even like, it's not even like the president. Obviously that's news, but it's random celebrities. Like this person tweeted that and it's consuming everyone's attention. It's like, it's like my wife was saying, we're we're millennials, but she's, you know, she's Gen X and she's like, why do you give a shit what these people say? And I'm like, ah, I know, I know. But that's, that's the problem. That's the problem is like, why do we give a shit what these people say? Who cares about them? They have no bearing on our lives. Technically the celebrities and stuff. Right. Uh, and then the, the the one thing I was going to say is liberty people tend to care about what other people say because you tend to try to force it down our throats yeah. as government, which is super frustrating. And what's been really exciting over the last three years is I have seen some hemp farmers who were super lefty and have started to see regulation come in from states or mm. had to deal with zoning for the first time. Yep. Literally zoning. <laughs> Literally, Literally. If you zoning. made everybody in the country deal with zoning, zoning. they would all abolish government. If, if, well, I, what I, exactly. I've said this. I've said this for a long, long time. If, anybody, if, if everybody in America got the opportunity, I'm not suggesting how we get, how, I'm not suggesting a way we get to the opportunity. I'm not suggesting UBI or anything. Hypothetical. But, hypothetical. But if somebody had the opportunity, if everybody had the opportunity to build their own house from scratch and they had to deal with going through the process, I guarantee I guarantee we would finally get to a point where we've reduced the size of government at every level. We right. would just get to, the, they'd be like, oh, what are they doing to trying to tell me what to do with my land? And like, why am I, why am I having to do this? Right. Absolutely. And NIMBYs, right? Yep. Yep. NIMBYs. I was, I was talking to one of the realtors in Puerto Rico and he's like, well, this property, that 12 acre property I was telling you about, I was like, well, I was thinking about farming it. And he's like, yeah, you could do that. You just can't like officially do it. Because it's <laughs> residentially zoned, and to try to rezone in it, Puerto if, Rico, right? If wow. one person in the community, if one person in the community raises Wants a to state, do it, you got to tell everybody. Oh my goodness! Yeah, just to farm something that's already open land, and I'm talking like putting avocado trees, lemon trees. You know, it's not like I'm, I'm not trying to put like some nasty thing. A on nuclear it. plant. Yeah, John's <laughs> not trying to build a nuclear plant. Just no. wants to grow some lemon trees. Want, He's just, gonna catch some red snappers or whatever the hell they have down there, and wants yep. to put some lemon on them. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's straight <laughs> up, dude. Let me slay some lionfish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, exactly. That's. Uh, I hope so, man. I really do. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. You know, that's kind of my next uh, 
hopeful passion. And then on the, on the other end of that, this is kind of like out in left field. So you would keep growing stuff. I mean, clearly that is a, that is a skill, especially the way you talk about it. Like you've already, you know, you said stuff that went over my head. I'm sure a lot of people's heads. And I mean that with all due respect, but like you have a skill that a lot of people don't have. You should continue with that in some way. Absolutely. And so the Island of Culebra, 99% of the food is imported from the mainland. Mm. And so that's why I want to go there. There's no commercial farm on the Island. There's this 12 acres sitting there like a mile or two from the ocean. So a little, prote- little more protected from the hurricanes. It's, it's got mountains on two sides. Mm. And you know, so you're kind of like being this valley. Yep. Yeah. Low settling valley where a lot of drainage is going to end up. So well, one theme that I think you brought up that maybe I just want to, I just want to, I just want to blow up for everybody to think about is like, John seems to have this ability to, uh, see just natural economics happen well natural and artificial economics of supply and demand right so passion like, yep that's so, one of my passions yeah, yeah that concept just that concept right like he, yep. he he witnessed it in in the in the hemp industry and 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 the two the, the difference between the you know government being highly regulating the marijuana industry versus being a lot more lax in, in the hemp industry but then <clears throat> at the same time he's 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 looking at like a foreign piece of land and realizing like there is a supply problem here yes. he could feel the demand where did that come from like how, where did all of that kind of thinking come from from a guy who didn't go to college and and he tried to learn you know yeah no um that's a great question that's I'm, what i try to do that's, that's <laughs> a little bit of a stumper let me uh, let me let me ponder that for a second um i mean pretty standard childhood uh, a lot of vacationing a lot of exposure to other cultures so i think i at a young age had a strong appreciation for hard work ethic because my mom sacrificed uh, a ton to be an attorney uh, and raise us and give us the ability to travel and see and i'm not talking about like going to like the ritz carlton i mean we would go to you know ambergris cable stay at the holiday inn mm-hmm. and i'd go play barefoot soccer under the lights in the ghetto with with the kids and my parents would let me do it and I'd go see where these people lived and they're living in shacks and on mattresses on the dirt with scorpions on the wall. I mean, I still remember that vividly. Interesting. And so that might, I don't know about the economic side of it, but it might give some sort of idea of why I appreciate, you know, the hard work and producing something uh, and, and, and what hard work can get you. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Because when you see island life, you know, there's a lot of not very hard work going on. I'm yep. sure you've been on vacation. Yep. Um, Brazil. It's yeah. hot. Yeah. They don't have, I mean, there's beaches. Yep. You know? I mean, it's like, come on. Uh, yep. But uh, beyond that, it, it would probably just have to be seeing the black market and watching it change. Uh, from the, from, from marijuana to yeah. open and then watching that highly regulated. I mean, and it was a process. It wasn't like, boom immediately i mean i'm not gonna I'll, I'll be completely honest right here my freshman year of college i was in a philosophy class and we read Karl marx and i was like ready to do a Karl marx reading club interesting yeah but it lasted three months mm-hmm. and all of a sudden i was like oh that that was bullshit yeah you know and yep. but but you know i was eager to learn and understand and i did go to college for i think i got 76 credits at metro state but it was all just basically high school classes over again yeah i mean yeah. That's all the first two years are, honestly, when you're doing... What turned you on to Austrian economics then? Ron Paul. Okay. Ron Paul. 2008? 2012. Okay. And that's what turned me off to pol- the political system of the two main parties in general. And I, after what, When you saw what they did to him. After 2012, I was done for four years. I was an agorist. I was like, yeah. fuck this. And, and for just, to, just to recap what they did is... 
and I have a lot of people, a lot of friends in the Liberty movement that were also brought in with Ron Paul and to, to, and, and then they, they said they swallowed the pill and said, yes, we're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to do the caucus thing with the Republicans and try to try to get him nominated. And they just stole it. I they mean, stole they just, it. They, they just did could, everything. They right. literally stole it from Ron Paul. Ron it should Paul. have been a brokered convention, which would have been our true third can, third party candidate. Absolutely. First since Ross Perot, like a well, real I deal. Think what a lot of people don't realize, sorry to cut you off there. The momentum that he created within the Republican Party was hijacked by Trump in 2016. Yes. Because Rand Paul is a candle to the flame that was Ron Paul. I would say a candle at best, yeah. yeah at best. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he has some good speeches here and there, but when it comes to standing on the debate, spa- debate stage with other Republicans, he's just worthless. Yep. He becomes a rhino pretty quick, I feel like. And uh, there was, I just have never seen any other candidate with the Republicans like actually get young people excited. And I think that's what had the, like, I don't know why, why would that get you nervous? You guys are, you know, I mean, CNN for as crappy as they're like, maybe they do get it right when they say like, yeah, it's an old white party. Right. All of a sudden you had these young people coming in. Oh yeah. Selling out like 10,000 seat arenas at colleges. Excited about, and the fed of all things. Of all things. Yeah. I mean, and understanding inflation and, and that's what's been, and that's one thing that has been really eye-opening lately and uh you know how much i paid for mcdouble the other day uh isn't it still isn't it still only a dollar pretty in pueblo at least it was 389 oh really or three dollars if you put a small fry with it okay but on the menu and the mcdouble was created 10 years ago to outdo the to get rid of the mcdouble cheeseburger because it was getting too expensive to sell that at a dollar but the inflation side of things has been just super fascinating uh, to watch, which Ron Paul, again, just huge about. This beer is just... I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> that's all right. I really apologize to all the viewers. This is... Uh, well, that, that, that's a, this, I think this is a good segue into, into money. And that's one thing I like to talk about on this podcast, too, is that like really... I tell people this, and they've heard it over and over again. Like, if you aren't, if you aren't, if you aren't reading at all about... If you just haven't even heard Austrian economics, I need you to just Google it and try it out. And see yeah. where it's at because I'm telling you, I'm telling you that like these people aren't wrong about no. how money is created, what the, what then the increase of money supply does, and then maybe maybe this is where you could maybe talk about Peter Schiff and where he's at with stuff is like he's very adamant about defining defining inflation and there's two different ways to define it right, right. And the first talk about how like what it means of like what it means in there's inflation of prices, but then there's inflation of we are inflating the money supply, the money supply. Right. So inflations of prices is what the fed tries to catch with the CPI, which is, you know, a pretty rigged uh, system. It's and, absolutely and, rigged. And, and if you look at shadowstats.com, you can kind of see the different measurements over the decades and how they've changed it every time and unemployment rate, the same thing, but they try to measure a basket of uh, commodities that you're buying. And they uh, basically hide inflation with technology uh, innovation. And that's segueing back into free markets is with the hemp industry, a free market makes things more affordable. Prices drop. They do not increase. So in a, in a, in an Austrian system, things become more affordable, not less. And, and that's one thing. A true free market. We're not talking about crony capitalism where corporations are protected. And I'm talking about no patents. Yes. I'm talking about truly free market, truly free market where ideas spread like wildfire and consumers get all the benefit. And that's what I saw in the hemp industry. And that's what makes me passionate about that is like, 
this should be everywhere. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I can't this believe people. Be I, everywhere. I cannot believe people. Well, I can. I mean, the corporate press sucks, but that it like, what a great case study. Right there, it is. Right, we, we got one. Right, and it's fucking. Um, oh man, to just see like uh, what Trump's one nominee that was potentially used to be a gold standard supporter just gets yeah. not even. She didn't even really. Janet Yellen, wasn't it? No, that's. No, was that Biden's? That's uh, Biden's sec- uh, treasury. Yeah, 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 yeah. Secretary of the Treasury. There wasn't she. She didn't get confirmed. That's what it was. Correct. The, the she one. didn't get confirmed because she just got, and she wasn't even still supporting the gold standard. She just used to think it was a good I idea. I think she wrote like a dissertation about it or some Correct. paper, you know. And, and it, they just smashed her on it. And it's like, on a on a on a gold standard, prices would drop. Housing would become more affordable. You know, why are we constantly fighting this minimum wage fight? It's been what a fifty-year fight. Fifty-year fight, and we just keep bringing the bottom up. And I, I don't. I, what I mean is the bottom up of 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 where where it's set at. I don't mean people. I'm talking about just the the price of it. Right. It's like we just keep adding to these band aids of it. When again, it's back to what we originally started this podcast. So like the system is the system is rotten. rotten. That's that's the problem. Right. And and to get back to the uh, the inflation question. So uh, so the CPI. Uh, so that's inflation is rising prices, which you know. Look at the the average inflation of your local town. It's probably eight mm-hmm. percent. You know, if you include rent and like these things that med, medic, medical uh, insurance or Obamacare that was supposed to save us all money and doubled the cost. You yep. know, kicked um, me off. Kick, I, literally kicked me off. I don't even have insurance. Yep, I don't either. I have a health chair. I, I don't even have a health chair. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I just pay cash. Yeah, because it saves me money. Yeah, you know, and I and I save. You know, for those expenses, I just uh, great. My son was born uh, a year and a half ago, undescended testicle. Go to a local Colorado doctor that I was referred to by the uh, the pediatrician who knows I'm cash pay. I get there and he's like, yeah, $20,000 for a 30-minute procedure. Mm. I go to Oklahoma, to uh, Surgery Center of Oklahoma, which is well-known within the Liberty community, seven grand. Yep. They found a hernia in it, didn't even charge me for it. Wow. Fixed the hernia, fixed the undescended testicle, seven grand. Mm-hmm. You know, amazing. And like, and they still probably have high prices because they don't have to compete. They're the only ones dropping their prices like that. Yeah. You know, so, oh God, yeah. I get going on, on, the, on, the, on the medical side because I just feel bad for people just when getting you raped. see getting raped and these massive bills going bankrupt. And it's like it, free market and technology does not work like this. At all. At all. This, nope. is, this is corporatism. This is, this is using government to benefit a very select few. And then on the inflation side of thing, back again, we keep getting on tangents. But um, what I wanted to bring up is this year, you know, we created 26% of M1 supply, of all M1 supply this year. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The so Fed's balance sheet b- doubled. Unpack that for people, M- M1. Uh, so that's the, cur- that's the amount of dollars that the Fed allows in circulation to the banks. The banks then leverage that up at anywhere from... Okay, I'm going to unpack it okay. for the lay people. In other words, what we did is so imagine that there was this current supply of money. We inflated it by an additional 26%. Right. So there we went from $100 to $126. Yep. Right. What that does is that allows more supply of dollars to chase the same amount of goods, which drives prices up. Yep. And, and at the same time, devalues your dollar. Devalues so your I just, dollar. And I just, what is your dollar? It is your time. It is your effort. And it is your skill. You're devaluing yourself or we are devaluing ourselves. And that's what I think people don't get. Mm-hmm. You are, you know, you are, you're, especially as a service-based economy now. Yeah. Holy cow, are we in trouble? I'm telling you, like, exactly. So, so it's so it's twofold. Inflation. There's there's the inflation side of, and this is the 
this is the original Webster's Dictionary uh, definition is that inflation is inflating the supply of money. And then with that be- also comes inflation of goods. That is the effect. And yeah. now we have gone to where inflation is the CPI, which yep. is just a formula with a bunch of jargon and manipulation and hedonics, which if you don't know what that is, Google it and you'll see that they basically just take technology, which would happen regardless of monetary system. Mm-hmm. So basically hemp, let's go back to hemp. You know, hedonically adjusted, they would be like, oh, the inflation rate using hemp is negative. You know, we have no inflation. We have, we have deflation yep. when it's really just, you know, free market innovators bringing a lower quality product yep. to people. It's not deflation or inflation. Low, lower price product. Lower yeah. price product. Yeah. Higher quality, actually. Yeah. I said lower quality. Yeah. Uh, but that that is just uh, one piece that people miss. And then when we look at this year, we brought up the 26 percent. Uh, you know, the $3 trillion stimulus bill, where did most of that go? Corporations. And it went to the people who have access to the money. And that's how inflation works. It benefits those who have yep. the access to the money first. And that's all the big corporations, big government, government employees, all that. And those are the ones who benefit the most from it. And the people who get hurt the most are at the very bottom of the totem pole. Every time. Every time. Yep. That's the way taxation works too for everybody. Just and so we you probably, know. And I don't. It, mean, that, that, that's the myth. The myth is, oh, the taxation is going to hurt the rich the most. No. 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 Oh, poor people every time. Especially every if time. you think so if you think about something like a food tax or a sales tax. Yeah. It's going to crush. It crushes the Which poor people. Which is why I hated Gary Johnson's fair tax. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, 24% tax on everything and we're going to keep government spending the same. And Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Got to go the other way. Got to go the other way. Got to just... Start limiting what you're funding, more responsibility, you know, free markets, and, and none of this is going to happen. Right. That's why we're saying don't waste Vote your blue, time. <laughs> no matter who, let's bring this shit on. Accelerate. Let's accelerate this shit. <laughs> I want blue through and through everywhere because I, I think the Republicans like, uh, uh, what's, is They're it funny. Malice? Is it Malice who... Uh, Michael Malice? Yeah, who says uh, Republicans are just Democrats driving the speed limit. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, that's... Yep. Let's just speed this up because I'm tired of waiting. You know, this is, I, you can see what's coming. It's just how long is it going to take? And then when it comes, there's going to be a moment where hopefully someone like Ron Paul can stand up and say, hey, communicate the message. Because I don't know that it's me. I don't know that I'm that good of a communicator or yeah. anybody like that. But it's got to be, we just got to be able to communicate to the lay person what's happening because most of them have no idea. And they have no idea. Probably somewhat a symptom of inflation because they're just running around trying to keep up. Yep. Just, just trying to make it through the day. Paycheck to paycheck, hundred percent. Yep. yep. For all those reasons. Yep. Acceleration. So that that word, right? <clears throat> uh, one uh, one thing you texted me earlier in the week leading up to this podcast was you were like, "I don't understand what's going on with gold and silver." And you and I are gold and silver bugs. And I bought I get, an ounce today from my old coin <sighs> shop because I was nearby. I just had to go in and say it's a hi. Good, it's a good dip. Why yep. not? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna go buy an ounce today. Yeah. I don't really need it, but I just want to go say hi and buy an ounce. Yeah. Uh, I recently, I recently, I recently uh, reinvested back into some gold and silver. I, I, I seems like I do about every election cycle, which is hilarious. And then I, and then four years later, I'm like, oh, I'm glad I did that. I, I, you know, I'm up X percent or whatever. Right. But it's been pretty disappointing compared to Bitcoin. Oh my gosh, yeah. Bitcoin is on a tear, and Alex already talks about this almost every podcast because we call him Al the Bitcoin Bill Bull Gore. He he's heavily invested. He he's he's crushing um, it right now. He's killing it, man. He had more balls than me. He had more balls than you. Yep. Well, you know what did- happened with me is I was day trading, and my tax bill came, and uh, 
I didn't want to go to jail. So yeah. uh, I liquidated <laughs> and uh, chose to liquidate my, my Bitcoin and my, my trading in, on, uh, on Kraken instead of my silver. And uh, obviously, I should have done the reverse. Mm-hmm. But you know, well, okay. live die with your principles. Yeah. So uh, there's... <clears throat> Why do you think that Bitcoin is going in this crazy direction up? And gold and silver are just kind of stagnant. They have risen quite a bit. It's been it's went from like fifteen hundred last year to eight, eighteen hundred yeah. now, which is it's good. I'm up, I'm up fifty. Well, not today, but when we were last at the mid last week, I was up fifty percent on my silver investment um, over a th- four year period. Yep. So not terrible. Not terrible. You're beating the stock market, right? But um, you know, I bought at a decent time when we were about to hit a huge. If you would you could have bought the same price I did four years before I did, and you would have just been flat for eight years and you would have been up 50% over eight years. Yep. Uh, why I think it happens is going to get a little conspiratorial, but uh, I mean, I think CNBC pumping Bitcoin is a big reason. <laughs> that's that, what Peter Schiff thinks that too. Bitcoin goes up. Um, I know that's what Peter Schiff he, thinks, but he, I think it's obvious when they don't have any negativity when it none. comes on and there's no, there's no negative press none. with Bitcoin. And as NBC, soon as NBC. there's anything negative with Bitcoin, they just stop talking about it. And then as soon as it starts coming up again, Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. And I understand I mean, we bought, we traded, we had fun for a year. Yeah, with I made money. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I ended up making about fifty percent profit where I sold all mine, and then right. I went back into stocks and equities. I wasn't that good. I mean, I had one point where I was like, God, what was it, Josh? Um, what's that guy's name who who always runs for uh, the Mises Smith. Caucus? Smith, Josh Smith, Joshua Smith. Uh, he's like X, XVG or whatever it was. Yeah, Verge. Yeah, Verge. <laughs> and I, Trash. And I fucking bought it at eleven cents. And one night, I'm like, it's going to go. It's going to go. And sure enough, it goes. I bought like 10 grand worth of it, which is like a lot. A lot. It's <laughs> a lot for it. Just so everybody knows, what he's referring to is a shit coin. Is a shit coin. Yeah, absolute shit coin. It went from 11 to 30. And I'm like, look, showing my wife, oh my God, it's 30 grand. Check this out. Two hours later, it was 14. And I was like, sell, 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 <laughs> sell, sell. You know, I, I was still up. But, yeah. you know, it's just, you know, that, that volatility, volatility is yeah. what makes me nervous because. Uh, I didn't have the balls. Obviously. Okay, what would you say to the counter argument to yours then, where it's you just the number you pointed out was like okay, twenty six percent. We've we've just this last year with the with this one stimulus. I don't even know if you've included. Is the other stimulus included? It's not nope. exactly. So this other stimulus, just that imagine just that, got signed. Yes, that yeah. just imagine like okay, and that's, the the extra sixteen hundred dollar or fourteen hundred dollars per person isn't included in that yet either which will come it will come and then biden has another three trillion dollar plan so like we're gonna double the amount of of money supply okay so so the theory with that is that i've heard from other like bitcoin bulls you Mm -hmm. know these cmdc people call them is that well bitcoin's the only one keeping up with this amount of inflation bitcoin is a direct reflection of the inflated money supply and and everybody is just it's buying gold is just it's just like uh it's passe you know it's yeah. not what do you think about that argument um is there any merit there's some merit depending on the time of day and if bitcoin's in a bull you know what i mean um when it was went from 20,000 to 3,000 i didn't hear that argument very mm-hmm. often it's pretty quiet then um yeah so i mean it's and i understand why but and, and then it goes on this massive tear the thing i don't really like about bitcoin that turned me off was how much control the whales have no um, kidding. That really made me nervous. And then I don't trust the mainstream media. And they're pumping Bitcoin, which makes that me That should think, be your red flag. That's a red flag for me. And that might be somewhat conspiratorial for some people, but 
you know, and, and maybe you can ride that wave and get out at the right time. But I tend to agree with Peter Schiff when he says it's probably not going to work out. I want him to be right. Me too. Because I like gold and silver. And it seems like we've, well, we have, not even seems like, like gold and silver have been around forever. Yeah. They're going to be around forever. Yeah. We literally could not do this podcast without gold and silver because of the heavy metals that are required for all this stuff. Correct. So it uh, sounds awesome when you rub silver coins together. It's just one of the coolest <laughs> feeling actually holding the metals for sure. It is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think there's, there's valid, uh, and they may be right, you know, and, and, and I may just be a, a boomer in a millennial body, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, I just think, uh, when I look at it and I looked at all, like, cause I, we were trading when it went from, uh, probably what, 300 altcoins that year to yes. 1800 or something. And yeah. I was like, this is not a finite supply. And there were a bunch of technical people who were saying, look at this one. This, oh, one's actually, mean. this one's actually better than Bitcoin. It actually does everything that Bitcoin does better. And guess what? There's a limitless supply of it. So, and so then I'm looking at it like, is this just a Tesla like cult following? Yeah. And I don't know, it, you know, people say tulip mania, but it's hard to say. My, I mean, it's, it's my take is you should. I, I, my take is that I, I don't think it's wrong to if you can afford it to be diversified. Obviously, right? absolutely. If my recommendation with crypto, I mean, I just got off the phone with one of my best friends, and uh, it's his birthday today, and I talked him into Bitcoin at seventeen thousand. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and I was like, bro, it just dropped from twenty. <laughs> this is a good buy time. And he put five hundred bucks in. Nothing okay. big. I was like, don't invest anything you can't afford to lose. He thought he lost it all. Now he's got twelve hundred bucks. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I mean, three years later. Yeah. But, you know, it went from 17 to my my wife threw in way more than me and she ended up doing fine afterwards, too. Yeah. Yeah. But just recently because it finally went went nuts. Oh, so she's still holding? She but it was because of she's not going to listen to this. It doesn't matter. But like because she was kind of inept with like getting it off the wall. That's the other thing, too, is like everybody should know that like it is painful to get this shit. If you're not going to leave it, if you're not going to leave it on an exchange, it's a pain in the ass. And here's the thing that I realized is that, so we had those, uh, the nad- nano ledger S's and the X's and all these other, like they're these little, they're, they're very, trust me, it is very secure. It is in a way, if you don't lose it, almost it's, it's more secure than burying gold. I mean, try to, cause if you dug up the gold well, you could find it, well, if you dig up the, the, the Bitcoin, uh, little USB thing, like good luck getting into it. Right. So it's a pain in the butt. And, and here's the, if you're going to keep it on one of these ledger, ledger nano, whatever, Make sure you check it like every six months because you literally need to update the firmware. Otherwise, the firmware gets so outdated, we almost lost our money. Like, it was brutal for me to, like, if Holy I wasn't shit. there. Oh, I got a nice reward for it, but whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, though. That's terrifying. Um, and it, it made me think, I, uh, with, with, with cryptos, you know, I was going long, short, you know, really gambling is yeah. what I would describe. Oh, yeah, as. for sure. And I was leveraged up, having a blast. But the anxiety level was just like, holy shit. You were it, up it, late at night. Right, because it doesn't turn off. It's not like the stock market where I can go to sleep. That I is a watch, really good point. I have to watch this shit even all the golden silver, night. Even the gold and silver markets turn off over the weekend. Exactly. I love that. Oh, I don't have to check the fucking silver price yeah, for two I days. Go, I, go, <laughs> I go fishing. I go fishing all weekend, and then I'll be like... Oh yeah, I get done fishing. I'm like, oh yeah, it's 4 p.m. on Sunday. Let's check let's the futures. Check, let's see what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, and that's it's cool that Bitcoin trades all the time, but it's also like, God, this is exhausting. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of like social media in a way. It is. 
It is. And, and I think that's one of the things that gets people with Bitcoin into it is it's uh, you can make the pitch. This is the new thing. This is this is the next best thing. And you can keep making that pitch, especially to an entire generation. This is the first generation, the Robin Hood generation, too. Let's talk about that, because that's yeah. what that's exactly what happened after. Go. And that's one of the reasons why the stock market's flying so high, especially after this another round of stimulus. Like, well, I mean, people are just I know. <laughs> I mean, I can just tell you, like the millennials lying employee who have not had to lay off like. I know exactly what they're going to do with that money. Yeah. They're going to put it into stocks. Yep. And uh, let's talk about inflation and what type of recent real world activity where there was a stock market present. What happened? Venezuela. It was the number one performing stock market for like two, three years in a row. Now, you still lost money because your purchasing power was destroyed. Yep. And I still think that's probably what's going to happen because I don't know if you remember this, but probably a year and a half ago, we were talking over text. And we were discussing what we think is going to happen if there's going to be a crash, a deflationary event. And I think we kind of got it right when we said they're not going to let it go very far, if at all. And there was what, 20% correction? And they pressed, it was a 20% they, correction. They took a bazooka to it and just unprecedented. 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 You know, and, and where did all that money go? How long do you think that could. Most of it went to Elon Musk. How long do you think we can keep doing it? That is the question that screws people over. Yes. You know, because they answer it and then they're wrong. And and, f- and for what I'm talking about is just to put a, a label to it, you've heard me talk about it before on this podcast is MMT. Yep. It's called Modern Monetary Theory. And anybody who is at all on the same level of economics that, Al, uh, that John and I are on with Austrian economics and sound money, it's like this uh, thorn in your side because at, I remember about four years ago, the first time I ever heard about this. <clears throat> And it was literally just arguing with people on Facebook. You know, we'd have these well, followers. It, it at came Bia. to light because of Bernie Sanders' economic advisor. Uh, yeah. I can't remember yes. her name, but she's a professor. And she's like, oh, you know, we figured out these algorithms and we can use taxes to keep inflation in check. And, uh, you know, you're never going to have it because you just, we got the math. We got the we math. We got the math. You we know? can just basically keep printing. Science. Science. Follow yeah. the science. Follow the That's science. What saying. Put your put, mask on. Put your mask on. Dude, I got to say, I just want to <laughs> shout out to the plague mask. That shit is awesome. <laughs> oh, oh. So for anybody who doesn't know, I uh, I purchased a, a literal plague mask, and I was I would wear it when the mask thing first started happening. Yeah, it was awesome. It was the, it was the best. It was great. Yeah. You know, the one reason I was happy my wife still had Facebook, she showed me oh, that. she showed you? Yeah. It was like Lucas Lance was oh, doing. I was, I was dying. Yeah, my yeah. wife would wear it too. It was Yeah, that's good. what she said. <laughs> you guys are killing it. That is just Freaking too awesome. Yep. Um, yeah, so... Uh, how long can we keep doing it? That was the question. How, how long can we keep doing it? Because um, also, and because and, we're not even tied to the petrodollar at this point, right? I mean, technically it's just... It's all faith. and It's all faith and the U.S. military. Yeah. That's what it is. It's all faith and the fact that we control the seas, we control trade routes. You know, we can, if you fuck with us, we'll bomb you, we'll, we'll Libya your ass, we'll mm-hmm. Iraq your ass, you know, we'll fucking take care of you. Um, so how long can it go on? I think a lot longer than we want to believe. I know. I'm with you, bro. Unfortunately. I'm with you. that's kind of where I've gotten to the point. It's, people are just going to get comfortable with numbers. And I, I'm, what I mean is like, Trillion, mm-hmm. uh, we're comfortable with that. Right. All right. All right. Quadrillion. Quadrillion. Yeah, we're yeah. comfortable with that. Right. Um, what? Well, let's see. We're at twenty-eight trillion in debt or something right now. And that's on the clock. And then there's the one that everybody forgets about, and that's the unfunded liabilities. And that one's at two hundred and something. Right. Well, and there's another thing people forget about, which is intergovernmental bonds. 
Yeah. And that's like another 15, 20 trillion. Yep. And that's between like your local government and your state or. Right. Yep. And the Fed's going to bail all them out. Yeah. Uh, and so like, I love bringing this up. Loveland, Colorado, um, you know, the, the city council members who hate me there will enjoy this if they listen to it, which they won't. But uh, Sentara, which is this huge mall up there, mm-hmm. completely financed by municipal bonds. Uh, when those bonds fail, you know who's going to bail that out? The Federal Reserve. Right. Because they're going to fail. Retail's been failing for a decade now, or slowly. Uh, commercial retail, you know, Macy's. And, and then we're then we just went accelerated light yeah, speed then, this year. Yep, exactly. And then you accelerated it this year. They built a movie theater. And they opened, Loveland opened a movie theater in 2019. Invested tax dollars into it. All this shit. It's going to fail miserably. And guess who's going to pay the bonds? The Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. You know? Or banks who are backstopped by the Federal Reserve. Who can take... The three trillion that you know went out to commercial banks, and they turn that into thirty trillion and lend it out and make interest on it. You know, and so fractional reserve banking. I think that's another thing people really don't understand and at how, all. How that? How works. many times have you heard that in your life? Right. I'm not talking to you, but I'm talking to everybody else. Everybody like, else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very few. You know, maybe once or twice. You know, for most people, and that's where you know you deposit a hundred dollars, and the bank will lend treat that as ten percent and lend out nine x that. And, and, and that's inflation. That will create inflation. Uh, artificially low interest rates, you know, that's, that's killing uh, savings. Uh, it's crazy. You know, my dad didn't believe me, but I was like, when I was in high school and doing my finance class in 2007, me and my best friend Bobby were uh, super. And so here we go. I started, me and my best friend Bobby, back to one of your earlier questions, where did I get this mindset without going to college? We were starting lawn care businesses at 14 you know we grew up in the country trying to make money blah 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 but we're doing this finance class and we're like okay this is what we would do we would take you know a hundred thousand dollars and earn eight percent on it and a cd or maybe it was you know seven percent but it was like six to eight percent back then it's a quarter of a point now yeah (laughs) like (laughs) that's basically the market telling you your time effort and skill are worthless to save which is wrong like just flat out wrong. Well, that's, that's what I tell everybody. There's, there's only there's only four places you can put your money at this point, right? Cash is trash. That word is so so true. Yeah, or that phrase is right. You can put it in real estate. You can put it in heavy metals slash Bitcoin. You know, when we already talked about Bitcoin and the, the right. problems with that. Uh, you can put it in stocks and equities, um, or, or you can literally buy a business. Like that's, Absolutely. but but putting it in a savings account, you might as well just throw it away. Right. And the reason I buy silver is for my kids. Personally, I don't buy it uh, for me. Although what's really cool, what I enjoyed about silver, I bought silver and then this farm we bought, I went to a local bank, offered it up as collateral. They took it. I got free storage and it appreciated. When I sell the farm, I get it back. I plan on doing that again. Uh, you know, so that's- If anybody listens to Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I highly recommend that they do, that's exactly how Robert Kiyosaki and his wife Kim bought their first condo. He's a big, he's a big. Right. Yeah, I know he is. Yep. Big, big precious metals guy. Absolutely. Yep. Like yep. one of the first. That's what, exactly. Yep. yep. He's just every podcast. One of the first guys who was doing like uh, big conferences and big uh, speaking engagements. Because he, because he understood what Nixon did after right. the gold standard Absolutely. and we got taken off. Yeah. And that's what kills our credit in uh, our credentials or our, uh, our mindset is people have been saying what we're saying since the seventies and with technology and government learning, they've figured out that they can make inflation appear in certain areas uh, if they don't give it to people. So that's why you see them resistant to give the everyday person a bunch of money. Like, okay, we'll give you $600. Okay, $1,200, $600, $2,000. 
you know, we're not going to just give you guys 10 grand because you know what that would do? It would be insane amount of inflation. That caveat to that is say you wanted to fix the system right now, right? And uh, QTR, he has a podcast, uh, Chris Irons, mm-hmm. listen to him occasionally, and he made this point. Uh, if you wanted to fix it right now, you have the Federal Reserve print up a bunch of money and give $100,000 to everybody whose net worth is below $400,000 or whatever it is, right? And then you fix it to gold. So that reallocates the, yep. the wealth discrepancy that's been created. Yeah. And then you stop printing. Like that's how you would fix it. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do that. Right. You know, because then you would see massive inflation at first and then long term it would get better. The other thing is if you stop printing, what's going to happen? Massive deflation, massive layoffs, tax revenues yeah. de- implode. Yeah. Debts get defaulted on. World reserve currency status goes away yep. and American standard of living, which is something Peter Schiff says all the time, it's going to drop dramatically. Yeah. That's one of my biggest hangups with, with, with libertarians is like, I'm like, uh, I'm not like I get, I, you guys get it. I get it. We all get it. But like you get what would happen if we all got in charge and we decided to cut it all away. We like, would look like idiots because we would create the greatest absolutely. depression ever. Absolutely. But that's what's needed. Agreed. Because it's going to happen no matter <laughs> what. Which is like this crazy it is gonna happen problem no it has to, to deal with. Right. Yeah. Because you can't just keep printing. And, and it, I guess maybe what it comes down to is like at some point enough countries are going to call our bluff. You know, whether it's Russia, China te- teaming up or something like I, that's For me, that's the only way I can see it playing out. If somebody well, finally calls our bluff. kind of starting to happen, uh, very slowly, granted, very, very slowly. And it's not like, oh, go out and buy gold and silver today because you're never going to see these prices again. I have no fucking clue. Yeah. You know, I just believe in physical assets and I put a small portion, not small, I mean. Enough. Enough. 20%. Prob- probably more than the average retail right, investor. 20%, 25% yeah. of And the average retail investor. Right. The average retail investor is. Uh, one to five. Yeah, yeah. One to five for precious metals or right. Bitcoin or anything. Yeah. Right. And I think Peter Schiff advocates five to ten. You know. Yeah. But, but I just happen to uh, not trust the system. Uh, and I also, just like you said, I, I you know I can I can talk about the failures of the hemp industry that I went through with a smile on my face because it's a free market. It, it, you know what happened was what was supposed to happen, which is right. You know the 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 best the best company wins. And yeah. I didn't have And that. the consumer wins. And the, the consumer end. wins. And that's totally okay with me. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think with with gold and silver, I believe in them and I can live and die with my belief. You know what I mean? And that's that's where I couldn't do Bitcoin. Because to me, it wasn't just about getting the returns. It was about believing in what you're investing in. Yeah. And that's why with Bitcoin, it was just what I could afford to lose, which at the time happened to be $10,000. Then I got a big ass tax bill and I was like, oh, I got to pull that out. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and ended up, I think I ended up up about 50%, 40%, just like you did. And yeah, it was fun. It's good enough. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, if I wasn't in such a bad spot with the hemp industry and just reinvesting every piece of uh, capital I had back into my farm, I probably would have gone back in when it hit, you know, 5,000, 4,000, 6,000, somewhere in that range because yeah. You know, and it's easy to say that now, right. but I was thinking about it. I was just like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Put a hundred dollars in? <laughs> you know, that's basically where I was. Yeah. So it's still am, you know, and that's, you know, but it's, it's interesting. I did not think it would hit 42,000. This quickly. That was, uh, that was crazy. It's still crazy. Yeah, it is still. Yeah. 38,000 or something. I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to pause, take a leak. That sounds great. 
All right, we're back. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you that, uh, because I think your perspective is different because you've been, okay, so this county you live in and are soon to leave is 13,000 people, right? Roughly. Otero County, if people want to check it. Yep. So not a lot of people. And then what closest town, how many people? Manzanola, I think it's 500. Okay. So that's about, a, that's a, I, the town I grew up in was that size. Very small, right? Right. And then you guys live out in the country. Outside of that. Okay. So I'll just ask the big question. What was your perspective? March. Here's the coronavirus. Here's the lockdowns. Here's the masks. What was a country person's perspective looking at it? And then the second question is, what do you think about all, all now? Now there's this opposite effect that we've been told up growing up the whole time. Everybody's going to move from the country to the city. And now we're seeing the opposite happen. Yeah, so um, I think it'd be pre-March was when I started hearing about the uh, coronavirus based on Zero Hedge and the reporting that was going on there. Yeah, if you aren't, if you aren't, if you aren't, if you don't check Zero Hedge once a day, it's not like you have to believe every article too. Let's no, be clear. zerohedge.com. They're awesome. They're they're good. They bring in a lot of stuff. Some of it's crap. Some of it's great. Uh, you know, and there's a lot of it in between. So. And a lot of and it was it was originally started as an Austrian economics blog. And economics. So, like, yeah. if you're looking for the just sound... gone a little Trump crazy yeah. in the last couple of years, but, you know, a lot of people got caught up A lot in of that. people got caught up in that. <laughs> yeah. So, but they still, uh, they bring in a lot of other content creators and they have some good stuff. But um, they were talking about the coronavirus, December, you know, stuff like that. And so I was watching it and I honestly was just back then, I was like, okay, this is another bird flu. This yes. is another... Another swine flu. flu. This yep. is Zika virus. This is every other one. And... Honestly, a year later, that's uh, how I feel. But uh, that it was, it's still, it's still way overblown. Um, but we can get into that. What I thought back in March, though, uh, and what I started telling my friends, because they had never even heard of the coronavirus, because none of them checked Zero Hedge. And so I'm at like a birthday party in February, <laughs> right? I'm at a birthday party in February. And I'm like, guys, you're going to start hearing about this thing called the coronavirus and everybody's going to freak out. And what did they say? They were Do you like, remember? No, it's not going to be that Dude, bad. I remember downloading yeah. videos off of Twitter because like my Twitter feed is pretty lit with just like stuff that a lot of people don't see right. or before I quit anyway. And I remember downloading, you know, one like this video from China and like the Chinese government, the Chinese government is crazy crazy i mean they're nuts crazy if you want to see like authoritarianism on steroids like the chinese government right so like they were driving to see the united states in 20 years boom i like that segue <laughs> so so they were driving around these like I, the only way i can describe them is like clorox trucks and they had these trucks and they yep. were spewing out you remember that they were just yep. like or the videos the of people of them welding in apartment yeah. buildings and then those showed up so i was recently. right so i was posting that kind of stuff while at the same time where he was like no, my wife was like what are you talking about i'm like it's like, look what's going on in China. Yeah. Like, I don't know, but this is what the videos are showing. It yeah. seems pretty crazy. But my opinion then was like, look, what's going to happen is it's going to show up here and people are going to freak out and freak overreact. Out. And so what did I do? I went out and bought 20 chickens. I planted a bunch of grass so I could feed some cattle and I bought a shitload of seeds. I, I spent $1,500. I already have uh, a ton of food prepped away just for floods snowstorms you live in the country live in the country anything you know and i'm gonna about to move to a tiny island in puerto rico that after the last hurricane had no power for like three months i'm gonna keep doing that you know so uh i just extended that and was like okay i want to be able to farm a couple acres of produce if i need to i want to be able to have some meat if i need to although there's a ton of deer around so i wasn't really all that concerned but i was like we're just gonna 
hide this out, you know, nothing really changed for me because we're out in the country. Yeah. Nothing really changed. Even the initial not lockdowns. I'm working in a field. I'm working in a greenhouse right. with three people. Nothing's changing. Yep. Um, and then just the complete overreaction. Yeah. I mean, to, to me. And then you start. To realizing. you. And, and to you. And that's what I want to be clear about is like I'm asking John. To me. You are. My personal opinion. Yeah. Your, your, your opinion is way different than somebody who's living in a city. That's Absolutely. the point. That's why I wanted Absolutely. to see what it was. Absolutely. And, uh, but that was just what I was warning my friends about. Like the overreaction is going to be crazy. They're like, what are you talking yeah. about? And then I was like, actually I quoted again, QTR, Chris Iron, shout out to you, bro. Um, I quoted him and I was like, I'll, I'm almost willing to bet that the MLB season won't finish. Whoa. And this was before opening day. And then my buddies, huge sports fans, like crack addicted sports fans and uh, the opening day gets delayed and all of a sudden they're calling me like, <laughs> like what where are you reading stuff bro like you told me this a month ago uh, yeah <laughs> you know and so it was like because it was like yeah you could see what was happening in china if you yep. were paying attention to alternative media yep and and you could see the likely reaction that our government would take because they've you know they've overreacted before the media's overreacted before and we were due for it man oh yeah but my per- opinion on the coronavirus is uh, anecdotal, but I know three people who were super fucking old had like four, three to four serious issues, heart conditions, you know, all this type of stuff uh, in nursing homes, barely alive, get counted as coronavirus deaths. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I know probably 10 people who've had no symptoms from coronavirus and mm-hmm. can, you know, the only good thing about the coronavirus is it is 98% lethal against the flu. What? <laughs> that's a it's joke. weird. It's weird that's how it's, it, it's weird how the it, it, it's weird how the flu is gone, it isn't is it? Weird how the flu is gone, though. <laughs> um, so you know, the, the coronavirus obviously kills the flu. I mean, I think that's the scientific and for uh, the record, I just want to, yeah, yeah. I just want everybody to know while we're laughing, like my grandmother died from from literally the coronavirus. How old was she? So Sorry you can't. No, no, seventy eight. Seventy eight. Yeah, Which but is the but average lifespan. Just to be clear. 78 for a woman. Yep. 72 for a man. Yep. Yep. And that's in the United States. So I don't, I don't know if it applies to Brazil, right. but, but the point is, is like, if anybody's going to try to come out with me, like wait until you're, no, no, she died. Yeah. She died. Yep. Um, yeah. And, and I know some people who have gotten more sick, but I've gotten bad flu cases. I just think this was a huge overreaction. Even if we take the numbers for what they were one in a thousand died, that's 99.9% survival rate. I am perfectly okay with that. And con- continuing Can- life as normal advising people that it exists and and letting businesses make the decisions on what to do because i was just in wyoming i was just in south dakota i was just in uh, nebraska and they were all wide open i sat for the first time in a year shoulder to shoulder at a bar watching an nfl football game just drinking beers having fun and you know there's not going to be a super spreader from event from that i can guarantee it because they've been doing it the whole time you know it's like it's just it's just crazy to me yeah you know yeah and uh, the the flu is also down in those places. Yeah. So I do find that odd. Can I you will say that? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry two, to get a little two, too Alex two, Jones two weeks, on you. Two there. weeks to flatten the curve, and, I, and we all bought that into it. That is my favorite. We quote all bought into it of the anti-lockdown people. Now is uh, two more weeks, guys. It's it's just two weeks. That's it. It's two weeks. And uh, if you look at previous flu years and how the spikes happen. It's literally the exact, the exact same thing. chart. What do you? What we're about you, to see another spike. Just so everybody knows, <laughs> we're about to see it's another Janu- huge spike. It's January 11th. February is one of the biggest ones. No matter what, every year. Every year, yeah. yeah. So February and March. It's cold. I don't know if y'all April, know that. 
Just like last year, we're yep. going to see this huge spike that's going to fade into the early summer. Just like last year. And this probably won't age well. What's your, <laughs> what's your, what's your biggest disappointment uh, from the population? How quickly the rural community caved. Really? Yep. Yep. Down by me, 99% compliance. Yeah. You know, uh, business is terrified of the health department. Yep. Yep. You know, the licensure, uh, how, the licensure. So, the, so, and and, so and, and that, that, that is my biggest disappointment. How is, quickly rural municipalities acted like authoritarian Chinese communists. That's my biggest disappointment. And then the compliance. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then the compliance with it. Yep. You know, especially when you compare it to like rally for our rights. You know what I mean? When we were pushing back against the red flag laws and stuff, which have now gone completely silent. Well, I'm also yep. off of Facebook, but I'm assuming because I don't see. Oh, it we don't talk. We don't talk about it anymore. Right. Nobody's talking about that anymore. Right. So yeah. it's completely gone. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, after seeing that and I was like, man, look at this pushback. I felt like that was kind of cool. You know, it wasn't as much as I wanted to see. It yeah. wasn't as firm as I wanted to see with the with that. But 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 but, but there were city councils the, that dreaded the rally for rights people coming. Yeah. They literally and there dreaded were rallies it. and there were, you know, all the time and there was this huge pushback and now it's just like everybody's beat down and they're just like I'm just going to put this fucking mask on. Yep. You know, and it's I don't I don't want to get yelled at. I just want to buy my fucking Cheerios and go home. What disappointed me mostly was that that there was no there was no giant so rigged conspiracies aside, there was no giant voting backlash to it. But the problem with that was is that then I then I think further than I go like yeah but there was no side that was completely anti 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 lockdown. Well, the libertarians completely dropped the ball. The, not exactly, but the Republicans did too, yeah. right? But you knew that was going to happen. I I was hopeful that like somebody's somebody's got to stand up to this shit because here's the thing is I I really think that if the restaurants if enough rest all it would have taken was a certain amount of restaurants to start the catalyst of like we're not going to comply. And I think the patrons would have responded and said, like, yeah, I'm going to go to support you. Because now I'll tell you, I'm to the point where, and I've told my wife this and she hates it, but I'm like, no, I've given up. Like, I'm not supporting them because right. they refused to, they refused to, to not comply. I'll give you somebody to support after the podcast. I'm not going to out them. Uh, yeah. But I was just there. I, I have I have and, people too. And, but yeah. but uh, fantastic steak. And the whole time they were, uh, and it's north of here. It's not too far from you. Uh, if you're ever in the mood to just, like, drive up to cow country but um you know they uh he had a code where you could call in and say two pineapples nice and uh see speakeasyville that's exactly see that's what i was hoping for i was hoping i would see a bunch of that down by me but i saw none that's interesting perspective to see to see that it's the it's the rural you know perspective i sat at the bar the last day you could legally sit at a bar in otero county uh in 2020 and the bar owner said they're gonna have to come force me to shut down before and then the next day he was shut down. It's like big talk until, you know, somebody comes knocking at the door and I tried to go see if they were speakeasy in it. Nothing. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was a big disappointment too. So again, vote blue, no matter who we deserve <laughs> to accelerate. <laughs> we deserve this. We do. Yeah. I'm, I'm convinced like, no, it's, it's time to, you just, we deserve, we deserve to completely reap what we sow with, with just rolling over and going, like you said, like I'm just gonna put on the mask. And yep. Fine, be done with it. The other thing that blows me away, if we're just talking random stuff, is is uh how, lately how much I've realized how bad democracy really is. Yeah. Like, I've been trying. To, yeah. I've been trying to get. I've been trying to get Al to understand it. Like a ah. hard concept to get across to people. Is oh, be, like, oh, because the media is painted as this 
this you wonderful thing. You can't be anti-democracy. You can't be anti-democracy. And it's so like, okay, well, what if what if there's five people and I'm one of them and then four people decide to, they vote by majority rule to kill me? Like, that's democracy. Right. Does that make it good? Well, slavery was legal due to Correct. democracy. And Reconstruction, they created the... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Apprenticeship stuff, where they basically just created slavery with a legal name. Yeah, you know, it's like, and you had to do your apprenticeship, and that was democracy again, doing that. You know, and it's uh, not pure democracy, but again, it was people voting to do things versus, uh, you know, what I try to advocate to my some of my friends, even my right leaning friends who are Trump voters or something, and I'm like, look, do you really think we need 535 people making new rules every year? Like, we can't just come up with a set and then be done, and then be done. No more elections. That's what I advocate for. Well, that's oh, so. If you get, if you, this is what people do. Do I don't think people understand this. If you get elected, just for instance, in Colorado, if you get elected as a state senator, yep, or a house 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 rep, you are obligated by law to introduce three bills. Did you I know did that? I know that you are obligated by law to introduce three bills. So. So I don't care. I don't care how much of an anti-government person you are, and you are, or a small government person, and you are trying, and you get elected, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm gonna reform." It's like, all right, but you're obligated, right, to to to, to create more law. Well, even then, if it's a law to repeal a law, I don't even, you know. Yeah, and then then you get in, and then all of a sudden you're getting paid decent salary most yep. of the time. And then people are pressuring you, and then voters are pressuring you, and then most of the people who are anti-government aren't really talking to you. They just want to be left alone. Yep. So you're, all the feedback you're getting is more and more yep. and more and more and more, and you want to keep that power. You want to keep that job. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what did you think, question for you, what did you think of the uh, right-wing extremist domestic terrorists that were uh, walking through the... Well, I couldn't believe that it happened. I mean, obviously, everybody was shocked. Right. So... Uh, you couldn't believe it happened, even though it happened in, like, every state throughout the nation all year i just i just was so far removed from media at that point right right because i quit and and then all of a sudden it was like oh no and then i honestly john like i had like i'm like okay now i gotta see what's going on i gotta see what's (laughs) going on so then i scroll i took a few scrolls on twitter and facebook didn't post anything but just took a few scrolls and then i was then then what was most surprising to me was it's it's kind of what you said earlier, just a little bit ago, which was most of the anti-government and small government people aren't in the feedback loop anyway. Yep. Because oh, maybe they maybe they swallow the pill and they're like, all right, fine, I'll, I'll vote one more time. Right. Maybe this is the time we finally start to reduce the state, give more freedom to people, let the free market run, do its thing. So the most disappointing part was <clears throat> seeing like. The people with the with the hottest takes, on the right especially the the the, the side or the libertarians that are supposed to be anti government was like, oh now you just threw all those people under the bus, like can you imagine if people right. actually stormed, can you imagine if the left actually like I'll I'll just flat out tell you if the left actually stormed the Capitol and started taking over the taking over the or abolishing it I'd or be like stormed the White House yeah I'd be like go for it yeah. Like, I don't care if it's left or right. I want a smaller state. I want a smaller government. I want to be left alone. I'm one of those people. So that was what was most disappointing was like, oh, you really don't want a smaller state. Screw that. Like, you guys instantly threw those people under the bus. Ben Shapiro, great example. Exactly. Worst day in American politics. Yeah, I couldn't even listen to the episode. I couldn't either. I was like, are you 
the worst day, <laughs> the worst day, <laughs> the worst day was like what a couple thousand people walking through. And I understand somebody died. So sorry for four that. people died. Well, weren't three of them health emergencies? That something, just, something like that. And one cop died, one cop and then died. the gal died. So yep. like, yeah, it was it was two a, deaths. Which is look, if you if tragic, you if you want tragic. if you want that sounds like the cop who shot the girl. He's now under investigation. Yes, probably. A very he'll probably at least get reduced to not being able to serve again. I don't know. Right, something but like, it was probably like a he couldn't believe it was happening and he didn't know how to react <laughs> in a very unsettling situation with a crowd of people. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. Um, the closest I can think of is I was in this club when I was like seventeen in Omaha that got tear gassed and the the crowd running at me to get away from the tear gas was just like. Holy shit, you know, so I can imagine it's 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 terrifying. Yeah. As the police officer who's supposed to be sitting there protecting. Um and fired a shot, probably shouldn't have fired. But um and then somebody got hit in the head with a fire extinguisher and died. That's something like that, yeah. Something like that. I mean, again, I don't pay attention to the media too much, but I think that's the story. Both tragic. But I just couldn't believe that we went from cities burning yes. our peaceful protests yes. to Violent right-wing yep. domestic terrorists and they, storm the capital, and they and they and they literally stayed in the the ropes, right, going through the capital. And yeah, some people took some stuff, and there were some jackasses. I'm not advocating that they were right or any of that, but it's like, how do you go from this? Yeah, is peaceful protest, and people died in those. Yeah, people were shot. Uh, you know, more people died in those than they did the Chaz. People yeah. were shot. More people died, but more people died in those in all of those quote unquote peaceful riots over the summer. Peaceful protests. They were not riots. Sorry, peaceful CNN protests. Never said the word riot. More people. More people died. CNN. CNN reporter in front of a burning building. These peaceful protests are nice and warm. It looks like a uh, yeah. you know they're roasting some marshmallows here around this fire. And, <laughs> yeah, that's basically what they were doing. Was, and then this happens, and I was just blown away. And then Parlor gets. And I, I had heard the name Parlor a few times. Again, I'm staying off of all of it. But when I saw that was banned, I was just like, whoa, you're not yeah. even going to give conservatives yeah. or right Any, Anybody wingers. right of Bernie Sanders. You're not That's gonna, the way I like to define it. Anybody right of Bernie Sanders. You're not even going to give them the ability to talk to each other online. Yeah. Like, you don't even have to go on Parlor. You're and, just going to, nope. Yep. And then and then they introduced the Articles of Impeachment. They're, gonna, they're supposedly going to introduce the Articles of Impeachment against Trump on Wednesday, which would be the 12th. What is it? The, it's the now, 11th day. And the so ploy be the here is to try to keep him from running in 2024, correct? I think that's you could, really yeah, the only benefit. Because if you get impeached twice, you can't do it. Right. Constitution, right? right? Now they care about the Constitution. Right. <laughs> well, and what's that's funny today, I was listening to conservative radio on the way here, and it's, uh, it's hilarious to hear conservatives advocating for regulation to protect them uh, on the on the social media side of things, and they're like criticizing the Democrats for being too free market. It's upside down. It's upside down. So world. that that's I guess that's the way I kind of look at the whole thing. Is uh, I'm trying to be careful and not take a side here, other than this, it's upside down. Like right. the side I would take is that the reverse I, of almost everything. Yep, I really feel like the whole thing is upside down, and that the 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 truth isn't the truth anymore. You know that there's this constant double standard. Oh yeah, especially when you talk about the peaceful, the peaceful protests right. versus the like. Well, just and then be in honest. the middle of a pandemic, yeah. Just and, be and honest. No condemnation of that, but Trump rallies. Oh, condemnation. Super spreaders. Yeah, and I don't like Trump. I, I didn't vote for him. <laughs> yep. I didn't vote this last time. I probably won't ever vote again. The, yeah. Actually, the, the only time I have voted was either for Ron Paul or for myself when I ran for city council. Yeah. That's the only times I voted. 
So, and my friends were giving me so much shit this year because they heard I didn't vote. And I, oh. was, I was talking shit and I was like, oh yeah, guess what I did do? I was on a ballot for Congress. Were you? Yeah. No. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Like I could have actually done something if elected. You could never do anything just voting. Yeah. Like never. Because it is exciting to think about like what if a libertarian was elected? Yeah. If they wouldn't blackball him, if they would actually interview him, if you could actually get no, these no, exactly. Ideas if they didn't blackball him, but especially now with all with all the constriction upon social media and but everything. But we've seen what they did to Ron Paul in 2012, so it's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. So lesson there is political activism, wasted time. Wasted time. Just spend, improve yourself, improve your family, improve your improve your business. Focus on uh, being the benefiting class of inflation. There you go. And don't because tr- the game's not going to change. The game's not going to change, so don't try to fight the game. So try to understand the the game, and work Absolutely. And, and and capitalize on the game. Be be a real capitalist. Yeah, a real capitalist capitalizes on the game no matter what. Be a survivalist. Yeah, make enough money and then opt out to Puerto Rico with me. There you go. You know, islands, baby. Islands, baby. Yeah. Oh, so uh, I wanted to bring this up real quick. One of the things that I, uh, you know, I, I am into, I'm not a greenie by uh, any stretch. I am super anti-pollution. I don't like seeing trash. I like, I like when people are responsible and take care of their stuff. But, uh, you know, hydrogen is something that when I was in high school, they were just pumping. Boom, boom. Hydrogen, hydrogen, hydrogen. And it just it's died. A it just kind of died, though, in the news cycle. You know what I mean? And so I've been doing some research lately and uh, hydrogen produced through electrolysis is super exciting. And then there's actually a Harvard study where they figured out how to create the anodes to handle salt water. So you can create hydrogen straight out of salt water with some direct current. And I'm picturing, you know, boats in salt water that are floating in fuel, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, And down there in Puerto Rico, down there in Puerto Rico, baby. I love it. Yeah, because there is a hydrogen powered sailboat. But it's with a, uh, it's got tons of solar panels, tons of wind, uh, two huge wind turbines on it, and they use that for electric motors. And the problem there is you're using uh, a hydrogen fuel cell. And I was looking up hydrogen fuel cell prices. It's like fifty grand for one to run. That would run. That's not cheap. No, <laughs> I can't. I can't expand that in the Caribbean, where the average income's ten thousand dollars. You know, but if I could figure out how to convert combustion engines and just run them off of yeah hydrogen that way so that's going to be one of my pet projects when i go down there if we go down there so i like it i like it that's really exciting john this is the longest podcast we've ever done on this show record setting baby record setting two two hours long that was two hours it was a pretty quick two hours that was a pretty quick two hours so i I get we still have two beers left we do have two beers left i gotta get i do have to i'm thinking well (laughs) how so usually i wrap this up with one one big question and i well let's do it question i ask everybody with is uh but maybe you've already answered it. I don't know. I'm going to put you on the spot, okay? Uh, knowing what you know now, if you could go back in time and tell yourself before you started any businesses, what advice would you give yourself? <clears throat> hmm. Taxation and stuff is not an answer. That is not an answer, <laughs> even though it is a fact. <laughs> um, extortion, you know, it might be more accurate. Uh, yeah, if we're going to get down that, to semantics, it's extortion. But, but it is theft. Um, I think if I could go back in time... I would, oh, this is actually, I actually thought about this on the way here. Perfect. Uh, to give kind of a anti-establishment answer here. Uh, to not be specific, I think would be a better challenge to it, is to not be like, hey, focus on retail CBD, yeah. which is like an easy answer, right? Yep. Like if I could go back in time, that's obviously what I would say. Yep. But let's say I could have like a telepathic communication where I couldn't be specific. Okay. You know, we're very Twilight zone right now. Yeah, yeah, sure. But uh, it would be... <laughs> 
don't uh, focus on following your passion. Interesting. Because I didn't want to be a part of retail because I hated it. And I really don't, I'm kind of, I like people who are like-minded. I don't like dealing with customers. And fair enough. Working in fast food kind of did that for me mm-hmm. as a high schooler. And I was like, this is awful. Like people are complaining about the dumbest the shit. Dumbest shit. And, and honestly, some people, some of us, some of us are built for it and some of us are not. And right. some of us have to figure out how to do, do it in small doses. And so I think that would be the advice would be, uh, don't let that be the deciding factor in how you set up your business. Just because something is not your the passion, passion part doesn't mean it's not the right decision. Got it. So I think that would be. I love advice. it. I uh, the other thing I usually do is I say where can people find and follow you, but you cannot find and follow this man. No, but if you'd like to email <laughs> me, uh, you can shoot me an email at uh, j r k e i l the number eight at yahoo dot com. Um, and uh, yeah, how about this? Who would you recommend? Let's 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 end with this. Who would you recommend that people listen to? If there, if if any of the topics that you and I have talked about, which have been very wide ranging, right? Uh, if they're looking to, I would say red pill slash black pill themselves, because that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. Um, there's nobody I like all the time. Let's be specific. I like there. that. I like there's that. There's nobody that I like every episode they put out. People put out shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's uh, hard. It's, it's hard, hard. to, it, yeah. and especially when people are trying to put out regularly consistent. scheduled consistent stuff. Uh, but Dave Smith is a, is a good one. He's for, really good for the anarchist side of things. I, I'm not a huge fan and, and, and of uh, anarchist, the fire. <laughs> right. I've actually grown to like him, I like but him. anarchy, I want you to understand too. When, when John says anarchist, like we're not talking burning down no buildings. Politicians. We're, ta- we're talking, we're talking about for Dave Smith specifically, like, uh, peaceful. Like I have my property. I do what I want. I don't bug anybody. Yeah. So to be Quick, like I said earlier, anarchism to me is no rulers, which means no politicians. We come up with a hard document, we agree to it, we let the free market figure it out. Yeah, so there's still laws. Correct. Yeah, exactly. And there's still private property, and there's a more diverse uh, option for where to live, how to live, and and self-segregation is easier, all that type of stuff. Um, And I think voluntarily funding a government of that size would be very easy, personally. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Dave Smith. Dave that Smith. Was one. That was one. Sorry. Uh, if you want a little more light, but you like a raunchy guy, QTR is good sometimes. That's interesting. Uh, I'll have to check Chris him out. Irons. Yeah. Uh, he's a Philadelphia guy. Rants and riots, but uh, he can be pretty entertaining sometimes. Likes to drink beer like us, and uh, or he's usually a whiskey guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, give Peter Ship a listen every once in a while. He can be a bit of a broken record. Thank um, you. I was just gonna say. I hope you. Yeah, he's a he's a super big broken record. The, but the biggest thing, some of the concepts that he'll bring up are good. He's consistent. How about that? He's very he's, consistent, and that's why he's a broken record. But let's say bringing up, um, you know, how government is affecting a certain industry or how uh, he's know, not wrong. There's some great stuff there. Uh, he, like I said, I'm not a huge fan of everybody all the time. Uh, Tom Woods has some good stuff. Michael Malice is great. If, yeah. you, if you want somebody who's a little weird, kind of geeky, fun, fun, does some interesting podcasts with people you'd never expect. Like, what was the last one I watched? It was with uh, the chick from who won the first America's Top Model, uh, and I thought I was going to hate it, and I actually find it pretty. Oh yeah, interesting. no, no, she was she's beautiful. Now she lives in like uh, Montana. Montana. Yeah, yeah, I know you're talking she about. That Montana. was really interesting. Well, you know what was fascinating about that was uh, my wife used to want to get fake tits. <laughs> <laughs> I became the biggest <laughs> opponent of fake tits after that. <laughs> oh yes, I know she what you're talking like, about. No, 
Never. Michael Malice. Yeah, it's called. Uh, so if that if that podcast, honestly, TJ Decker just turned me onto that recently. Uh, so now I'm an avid Michael Malice listener as well. But Michael Malice, it's called Your Problem, but You're Welcome, or You're Welcome. Yep. But it's Y O U R. He purposely did it yep. wrong. He did it wrong because he's yep. a troll, yep. and that's his thing. And, and him and Dave Smith do some stuff together that's really good. Um, and then what I would really recommend to people is to to look at what Fox News is saying. Look at yes. what CNN is saying. I, I do that every day. I want to every yep. be clear. I go to all of the media sources every day. So does my wife. Yeah. And what that has done for me and my wife is it goes. Oh, we're kind of done with this red pill, and now we're on the black pill, and we just know yep. the yeah. truth. We know our like, you guys are all crazy, right? Exactly. <laughs> and so I'd recommend that. That's that's probably where I'd leave it. I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head. Read some old school stuff from F.A. Hayek. Read some Hayek's Rothbard. Good. Rothbard's some, good. You know, and I'm not saying I agree with everything these guys say because yep. there's things I disagree with with them. Expand your mind. Expand your thought process. Think about how to do things not the easiest way which is what government does. You know, how can we build roads? Oh, well, we tax everybody at the point of a gun. You know, that's the... Who builds the roads? Lance. Right, Lance. <laughs> Lance has beautiful roads. <laughs> I have them. two private roads. I walked on them. Yeah. They're beautiful. Yeah. I have uh, private dirt roads. There you, you know, go. It's so crazy to be just talking about the roads thing. <laughs> this is so funny. You know, I'm on a farm and there's this uh, one field that has a fence line next to it. And I till, uh, I till it up pretty regularly, like between crops or every other crop or whatever. And, uh, I'll till up the road section where I drive and to turn it back into a road, all I have to do is drive over. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that old meme. Uh, the deers must have a government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have trails because they the, have roads. The deers have formed a government. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, John, this was awesome. That it's was been a, a long podcast. time. Uh, I really appreciate your time. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that's all we got for now. Yeah.